was watching Solo because um, horse famous uh, pro gamer Jenny Nicholson recorded a commentary track for it. Mm. And I don't normally like normally with commentary tracks, I uh, just listen to them like as a podcast. Mm. But hers, um, she's she's doing it, you know, quote unquote solo herself. So there's lots of gaps. So it's, it's like you kind of do need to see the movie to see what she's talking about with it. Um, okay. Yeah, would not recommend trying to do a, a solo commentary in general, but I don't know. It's entertaining enough. Man, that movie is like worse than I remember. It just like really drags. I feel like this is the podcast because otherwise mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like you know who I, I know who Jenny Nicholson is. I just, you know, wanted our audience to know. Okay. I, I, I never know. When we've actually started, we've always actually started. Uh oh, you never know. <laughs> that would explain. We might somehow multiple... start before we even get on the mics. Whoa, shit! Mm-hmm. That would explain multiple cancellations in my life. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Well, should should we actually start the pod? Yeah, why don't we? Welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. I'm Marco Sparks. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. How am I? I'm hanging in there. I don't know. This has been a very lazy weekend for me. Cool. Getting up like past noon. Nice. But somehow it's still not getting eight hours of sleep. God. Nice. Nice. Uh, How are you? Good. Pretty good. Good? Yeah. Enjoying the holiday season? (laughs) You know what's weird is I because I'm just not really out at all. I feel like I haven't even heard like very much in the way of Christmas music. You know, I mean, I, I guess maybe they're playing it when I go to the store every fuck you're know, lucky couple times a week. But you so hear you a lot of Christmas music. You haven't been hearing it since November first. <laughs> no, like where are you hearing it? Like at work? I'm, or? I'm hearing it in my office. Yeah. Okay. I'm just like. God, you fucking sick little fuckers. You're going to be so sick of this by Thanksgiving. And they're like, we don't care. We're going to keep playing it. Well, like I'm not, Which, I mean, I suppose I probably hear it when I go to the store, but like, I'm not out that much. I'm not watching. I'm not even like bothering to watch football this season. So I'm not even seeing like commercials with Christmassy stuff in it. So mm-hmm. yeah. Although it was really weird. I don't know if they did it in your neighborhood. They like, like the fire department, like rigged up some like Christmas lights on their trucks and like rolled down my street. And with on the loudspeaker saying Merry Christmas and like people are like standing in their front yards waving. It was very weird. Hmm. I feel like I should have gotten an email about that. Like to know that that was going to happen. Yeah, like, I don't like uh, emergency vehicles uh, strolling through my neighborhood of lights flashing. It was really weird. I was like, what the fuck's going on there? Because it was, it had been, you know, the sun had gone down. So it's dark. And I was, you know, just napping at like 6 p.m. And I was or, like, what, what the fuck's going on? Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of pathetic. Like, it, it, it was like it's kind of supposed to be some sort of parade, but there was no parade. I don't know. Who who has time for mm-hmm. this? <laughs> it's Are they going to do this, like, every night? Like, I don't know. Have, have, have they done it? Is it just tonight? They just did it tonight, but I don't oh. know. Like, it's a week before Christmas. Like, um, that, I'd like to it? think that my my tax dollars aren't paying for that every night. I don't know, man. I pay a lot in my HOA for this. Apparently, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm like, not using the massive fucking clubhouse I'm paying for. That's for sure. I feel like you should start a fire while they're there, mm-hmm. just to get your money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> Four pools, two gyms. It's all just sitting there. Can't use any of it. Wonderful. Mm. 
anyway, shall we uh, get into things? We're going to talk about the holiday 2006 yeah. Nancy Myers film. This could be either a long podcast or a very short podcast. I guess we'll see. Neither of us had seen this movie. Nope. We were just kind of picking it out ahead of Christmas movies. So. I, I had seen that. Well, I've never heard a man tell me that they enjoy this movie. I don't mean to be sexist, but I've, oh. I've heard from a lot of women that they like this movie a lot. What men would you be telling would be telling you that they enjoyed it? Like other than me, do you, am I the only other man that you know? I mean, do you not I, know I, any other men in your life? Who are your strong male role models? Um, wow, good question. <laughs> Luke, and, Luke and Skywalker. Can, can we move to wherever you live where you don't have to be influenced by other men? Um, I mean, you know, it's it's. I would I would love to have a conversation with other men about movies where like Marvel movies don't ever come up. <laughs> I'm just amazed that you have other conversations with people, period. But I, I guess you. I like well, to I mean, dabble. I, I technically I, I do for my job, but um, I try to keep it professional. I try I to get you know, really it's... weirded out when anyone I'm dealing with at work actually tries to ask me anything personal. I will say this though it's uh it's like your 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 download and your upload speed. My upload speed as far as my social calendar has obviously been a lot less than usual this year. Mm-hmm. But it has, you know, it has had its hills and valleys um and some some definite hills. But other people have been trying to, I don't know, get my attention and really mm-hmm. as frustrating as that is, it's also You can't see but I'm times. waggling my eyebrows at you right now. Oh, are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're making a groucho while also doing a, uh, a jerk off motion. <laughs> That's not a cigar. Uh, I feel like we should be having a drink. I don't know why we're not. Sorry. Are you not drinking? I'm trying not to now. Okay, right on. I mean, I had that champagne. Well, that's probably good. I mean, your your fits, your moods, your blackouts oh. are getting excessive. <laughs> it just took me a long time to edit the podcast. Go back and hear what I said. Uh, what are you watching right now? Uh, let's see what I've been watching. Um, I mean, do we want to have the whole Mandalorian conversation? Do you want to have it I now? Assumed, do you want to have it later? I assumed that we were going to. Uh, let's, I've let's, been watching. Let's save that to the end. I'm just going to make a little note right now. Let's talk about Mandalorian at the end of the podcast, just in case somebody is concerned about spoils. Spoilers. <laughs> What is, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's a, such a stupid show to be worried about spoilers. It, it really on. is. Because I I opened up, I woke up this morning ungodly early after going to bed very late. And mm-hmm. I made the mistake of doing that thing you do where, you know, that one bird website, you 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 mm-hmm. click on that app. And it was like, boom, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Um, so I watched uh, a show called The Wilds. I binged that in three days. So what is that? So ostensibly it's teenage girl lord of the flies is how it's like sold okay i don't want to say more than that because it's a spoilery show what i really appreciate so about to get the their show, uh, head bashed in with a rock perhaps okay um i mean there are you know it's a certain show that i think another show that you and i both enjoyed and perhaps a podcast that have as has it might come to mind and I would say that I think that the people who made this show are certainly fans. Um, Could you tell me what show you're referring to? Um, is it, or is I'm that sure itself it, a spoiler? I'm sure it's a show that you could find very easily. It will not be lost on you. Um, I 
when I first watched the show, the first few episodes, I was like, uh, this seems like it's a show for teens. Like it's a hardcore show for teens. I thought there mm-hmm. was like so, some failings. And then as the show progressed, I was like, oh shit. Like those things that I thought were just, I don't know, not deficits in writing, but like it's, it was literally part of a plan. I, I don't know. I really came to enjoy it. I, Is this a Netflix show? It's a Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. I can watch it then. Yeah. Um, watched a movie called Black Bear of Aubrey Plaza. Um, I don't know what else I've watched. I don't know what else I've watched. I feel like I've forgotten in the last two weeks Mm -hmm. since we talked. Has it been two weeks? Uh, I don't know. I think two weeks since we recorded Headcanon, maybe. I honestly have no idea what time is anymore. Yeah, Um, really. Might have been two weeks since we recorded Headcanon. What am I watching? Been keeping up with his dark materials. I think the uh, there's only seven episodes this season, so the seventh one's about to come out in the UK. So, so I read that there was like a, a supposed to be like a wild episode that they weren't able to film because of the pandemic about like a certain character. There's supposed to be like a whole Azrael episode that would like delve into a lot of like backstory and like set up other stuff that they like. Apparently, it's like a great script. They they didn't get a chance to film, and then it, like it didn't make sense to film it later or something, and so it's just like lost to the mists of time. Um, I don't know. It's I wonder if maybe they'll ever just like post a script online or something. But because they filmed this all very quickly after season one, because Daphne King was like yeah, aging. Yeah. Well, it's it's really weird because in the fourth episode, there's like this weird like Lord of the Rings style prologue where you mm. have like somebody like doing a voiceover explaining like all this backstory. It, it's a very bizarre way. Like no no other episode starts that way, but like suddenly it's like here's a prologue for some reason with all this kind of montage of stuff explaining the subtle knife. I'm surprised um, they don't do some bullshit reason to like animate this episode. I mean, why didn't they film it? Like availability? I, I, I think or? just COVID issues, I assume. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Um, and so they kind of had to like cobble shit together and it's only seven episodes. Um, I just watched the sixth one. It's fine. I mean, I don't know. The Subtle Knife is my favorite book and that's the book that it's based on. Or my favorite book of the series, I should say. Um, so there's there's certain moments that it's like it's hard to screw up. You know, mm. um, they, mm. they moved, I, th- I want to say they moved one of the scenes from uh, Amber Spyglass into this, but I don't know. It's mm. fine. I, I wish the show was better. I just don't think Jack I, Thorne is really the right guy to be adapting it. Oh, God, I just saw he was adapting something else. I just, I, I it's like, clearly he's read the books, because obviously, how could you have not read the books? Like, you're adapting them, but it's. I don't want to say like he didn't get them, but that his interpretation of them seems wildly different from my interpretation and, you know, most other interpretations I read online. Let's put it that way. It's like what you took from this is very different from what it seems like other people took from it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, besides that, I've still been uh, grinding through the expanse on my extra cycle in the morning. I'm up to season four in that. Um, It's enjoyable. I passed where I was. Yeah, I don't know. The, the four seasons weird. They're just like on a planet, seemingly going to be for most of the time. Only like a few episodes in. Uh, they the fucking burned Gorman is in it. That fucker. <laughs> that fucker. The, that fucking Jin Ali uh, all star there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I like some of the characters. I, I kind of like all the characters except the main character. He's he's just a real discount Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the other characters are fun, like Amos or the uh, the UN Secretary General. She's the best. I mean, yeah, she has a Bobby line. Draper. Uh, Bobby well, talk, Draper. Talk about a voice. <laughs> oh, 
Oh yeah, still oh crushes. yeah, Draper. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Don Draper's kid there for a sec. Um, no, that was a fun part in the internet for me because uh, I think it was Jacob Clifton would constantly be making fun of the two characters having the same yeah. name. Well, Aversala, like they loosened her up in the second season. She was like really boring for the first season, and then like there's this moment in the second season where like they're like it's like this peace session or whatever where they're like questioning Bobby Draper. And like the one of the Martian and like handlers is like, I don't see what the you know purpose of this questioning is the line of questioning is for. And she goes, whatever the fuck I want or something like that. It just yeah. suddenly it's like, wow, they, we need more of this. And I think they, they figured her, it out and gave her more. She curses a lot. Now it's great. Every, every like sat nav should be her voice. Mm-hmm. You're going to turn here, you fucker. <laughs> um, yeah, the one I left off on was where... It was Aversala and Bobby Draper and like uh, Aversala's like uh, PI enforcer her, her guy. Like, like they, yeah, they had to like, like leave that yacht. Attache. Yeah, yeah. They had to leave like Francois Chau's yacht, mm-hmm. Dr. Marvin Candle. Um, yeah, that's where I left off. Dr. Hallowick. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe just uh, from watching The Mandalorian, I, I wanted to watch a sci fi show that uh, was just, I hesitate to say more mature because what is mature, but just written for an audience that they uh take a little more seriously i guess mm-hmm. um but thomas jane's like not back on the show um i mean i don't know do you want me to spoil it he starts spoiler alert he starts like showing up kind of uh in someone's mind maybe oh okay know? yeah okay would you ever get thomas jane's haircut in that show i mean i'm thinking about it once the uh <laughs> It's long enough now. They just got to do like the one-sided undercut, I guess. Well, is it's it, kind is it, of like a mohawk, but like a real yeah, wide mohawk with long hair. Yeah, it's like a mohawk where the, the hair is just way too long. Yeah. So he just like flings it to one side or the other. I mean, I could do that now. So, you know, maybe when we get the vaccine in a few months. I, I just watched that show and I was just like, God, his hair is so gross. So you're telling me I should get that haircut. That's what I'm hearing. But I, but I, I just should had I also a, wear like a little like uh, uh, like trilby around well i think amongst our friends you know that there's a pro was it pork pie hat for you i'm I am not a pork pie hat guy <laughs> i'm not really yeah. a hat guy in general hats don't work on me my head's too big mm-hmm. so you won't ever go like full fedora no it just it, it for i'm too short and my head is too big it's just no i'm not a hat guy what exactly is indy's hat is that a fedora i think so I think that actually okay. is a fedora, yeah. But I feel like okay. like fedoras and trench coats, you need to be tall and you need to be somewhat like narrow-headed for them to mm. work. Mm. Well, alas. Mm-hmm. Alas. Uh, what do you listen to? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the last time we podcasted, like right before that dropped, Evermore. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like the most basic bitch ever this year. Like all I've listened to for five months is full Thor and now evermore. Um, I might, I'm, I'm still getting into it, but I might like this album more than full Thor. I don't know. I can't, I can't say that yet. Cause I really like folklore. Um, it was, it was just funny to me. Cause I, that week that it dropped, I was listening to a lot of Heim um, leading up to it. And so when I was looking at the actual screenshot of the track listing, I don't know. I just felt like, relieved not vindicated but like it was just like nice way to go heim way to I, go i've very much been enjoying uh champagne problems through like i guess like ivy like i don't know i feel like the first half is really solid there i haven't listened to the second half as much 
usually because I'm just going back to listen to the first half again or falling asleep. Hot take about the last track. Hmm. I also like the two the two other cut songs. Um, oh, I haven't heard them. The the full edition, deluxe edition, the whatever bonus ones. It. Yeah. Um, I kind of think that the the title track is better before Bon Iver shows up. Oh, I think the like deep and growly Bon Iver is kind of more what I would look for in a song than like his like falsetto. Mm. But I mean, like uh, towards the second half, like I really like Marjorie. Um, yeah, that song's good. But uh, yeah, Gold Rush. Uh, I. I mean, there's probably like another remix of Willow dropping while we're recording. But well, I like, think like Willow is my least favorite track on the album. Like, I don't know what it is about her singles, but I never really learned that taken with them. I, I, Willow actually surprisingly grew on me, whereas Cardigan did not. Although I did like like two of the remixes better because they, they added a little more life to it. One of the remixes, much like the Cardigan remix, sounds exactly the same to me. I can't <laughs> ascertain a difference. Um. Yeah, but Gold Rush, I think, is great. You know, I don't know. Certain songs I'll just go back to, like Cowboy Like Me. I'll listen to like an hour. I just really enjoy the imagery in Champagne Problems. Mm. I just mm. I, I like the vibe of her ripping this guy's heart out. There's some some classic Taylor logic throughout it, like like the the driving force of uh, of happiness. Um, yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. That's are you uh, are you a Woodvale truther or no? Uh, you know, I have not delved that deep into the conspiracy theories. I I think even more than the previous album, this album is very much her. Like these aren't about her. There might be some little detail that you could like link to her life, but I think she's like luxuriating the idea of of writing songs that don't have to be directly connected to her. And I think it's really improving her songwriting. Like I don't know. I feel like this and folklore are both like like a big advancement in her craft. Um, and I, I would, the conspiracies are fun and all, but I really think she's like, you know, it's, it's more likely that champagne problems is based on like her binge watching the Gilmore girls than it is that she, like, this is about a secret, like rejection of a proposal that she did with like Calvin Harris or something. She's, she's pretending that she's Keira Knightley and, uh, mm-hmm. Love actually, um, yeah. I mean, because otherwise, a, a track that I really relate to, like the one, would be weird when she's writing songs with William Bowery. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think. I mean, and all of her songs have been this stage persona version of her. I mean. She's not writing like literal fact about like a Jill Hall breakup or a Wait, I'm sure like breakup. something like All Too Well probably has at least some details that are like pretty specific, you know, to like a real thing that happened. And I'm they, that may be present here, but it feel I feel like she is embracing the idea and once her listeners you also embrace the idea that like they don't need to be looking for clues, you know. It's mm. It's it's like just revel in the imagery. I think she's like her songwriting has never been better. Um, just the, the the story she's able to tell with like these small little specific details. So counterpoint, she loves leaving breadcrumbs for people to follow, whether they lead to true. the right path or not. Um, so that I do think there's a the third album coming though to, to your Woodvale question. I don't know if it'll be called Woodvale, but I do no, I don't like the name album. Woodvale. No, it doesn't work with the other. It doesn't two. fit with folklore and Evermore. Mm-hmm. Um, cause evermore, you know, when you saw that it, it just felt right. 
He knew nothing about a similar piece to folklore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that week I was listening to a lot of like Heim or watching a lot of Heim YouTube videos in the background. I went on a NPR tiny desk thing, um, which eventually led me to her appearance. Taylor's. Yeah. Um, which one is it the one where she sings, uh, that one? She sings all too well at the end. Okay. I'm thinking of a different one maybe. Um, and it was, it was just great to see her as a real person, especially by herself because she is so personable. Like you, I don't know, man, like you, you, you watch her in these things and it's like, you just like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just interesting to hear cause I wasn't a huge all too well fan, but I feel like just her talking about people getting excited when she plays this and like how you could tell that that kind of meant something to her. I don't know. It got me. She's really good live, like with just a guitar or piano. Like, yeah, like I feel like that's like the ultimate like flex of a good performer is that like they can strip it down and they can still kick ass. Um, so mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking of Tiny Desk. There's like the BBC Radio One. She does a cover of something. I'm trying to remember what it is. Um, it's it's not her song, but she does it really well. It's going to bother me now. Well, the Tiny Desk things are cool because mm-hmm. I I've never really connected with Harry Styles, but I watched his and it was it was interesting. Um, Maybe it's the BBC Live Lounge. Let me see here. Probably Live Lounge. They always do like a cover on Live Lounge too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Riptide. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her, her cover of Riptide is really good. Hmm. Anyway. This is just a Taylor podcast now. Yeah. It's, it's now we become a Taylor Swift podcast. Actually, I think our that's what Greedo is supposed to turn into, right? Didn't okay. we decide that at the end of the last episode? <laughs> to be fair, I did pitch that we should do a Taylor podcast like mm-hmm. two years ago. I don't know. I don't know if we could do a whole podcast there. Just listen to two dudes talking about Taylor Swift. Uh, are you reading anything right now? I am not. I'm I'm not in got nothing queued up right now. I'm trying to work my way through the very beginning of The Leavers by Lisa Ko. Mm. Far out. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to talk about the holiday. Perhaps it is. Do you have an opening statement? Yeah, let me ramp through some thoughts here. Um, so obviously there's some great kitchens here. Uh, in general, this movie has a very sexy Zillow profile. Um, like you said, this is a movie that, I, I, like I said, I, I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about. I've always been kind of curious about. Because um, I, I I like the occasional romantic comedy. I, I like that the feelings that come with it. I, I like the occasional Christmas movie. Those two have a lot of overlap. Uh, this movie was... Not what I expected, and also exactly what I expected. Um, it's 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 definitely old enough that you know I marveled the fact that this is a movie where people work at a newspaper and go to Blockbuster and own DVDs. Um, I was fascinated to read that this movie cost eighty five million dollars to make, wow. but this is a this is a director who's known for her details. Mm-hmm. It will blow your mind. I found some of the things where the money Just went. Like it a would David blow. Of rom coms, yeah. It will blow your fucking mind to know where some of the <laughs> the money went. Besides just cast salaries. Um, but it's interesting um, just to have a movie about two women swapping houses, literally swapping lives, escaping their own lives. Um, there's an earnestness in part to some of the characters, which I appreciate, even as the movie, like, I don't know how I feel about its relationship to quote unquote, the industry. Cause it feels very surface. Um, I, I mean, like on one hand, like it's, this is obviously Nancy Myers bringing up good points about how a movie has to perform to be to considered a success rather than just be good. But it's still a sanitized version of the industry, simplified and made palpable and understandable to the masses. I like the idea of the Jack Black character here because he's nice and he's genuine. And he cares about film in some way. He also feels inauthentic in a way to me. Um, 
I think that Jude Law is perfectly cast because the movie definitely plays with not just that he's a hot daddy, but also that he's a hot bad guy. Because I, I think that Jude Law is probably a scoundrel in real life. So it's like a weird, you know, spoiler surprise that he isn't just a British fuckboy, but actually a widowed single dilf. Um, I hate that the two ladies don't, the leading ladies don't have a real relationship with each other. Because um, this movie is kind of an adult version of The Parent Trap, but it doesn't have the 30 minutes together at the beginning where the two characters can actually play off of each other. And it's still shocking to me to think that that was just one actress in that movie. Um, I don't know. Long story short, I think the movie has an energy similar to what you might get out of a Hallmark movie, but feels meatier, a little classier. Um, and I both mean meteor like the meat and also like a meteor that might come in and the dinosaurs. I found the movie charming. You know, it's full of crazy people. I like some of the storylines more so than others. I, I really would want to get in the remix parts of it. Um, I think it, it lacks a kind of tension and conflict that necessitates a movie. Um, especially since I don't think anyone has chemistry with each other in the movie. Um, also, this is a Christmas rom-com where in which the star briefly considers suicide. So over <laughs> to you. All right. Well, far be it for me to tell Nancy Myers how to do her job because I know she has a reputation for being very precise with a, a keen sense of the smallest detail. But I can't help feel that Cameron Diaz is miscast in this movie. And I know that like she specifically wrote the role for her. But I don't know, man. Maybe Anna Ferris from Lost in Translation is just like too much in my mind. Uh, but mm. it felt like Jude Law's charm was just working overtime to make those scenes work. And like to, to make up for Cameron Diaz's like weird affect through the whole movie. Um, regardless, I think the, the fun rom-com, I can see why people like it. It's not quite the traditional like single couple situation. But it's also it doesn't go full love actually either, where there's like you know a dozen couples in it. It's like you have a nice little mix. So if you're not getting what you need in the romance from Amanda and Graham, you always have uh, Iris and Miles, and then you have like the bad romance baggage from Maggie and Jasper and what they're bringing. Uh, I did feel like Miles and Iris were a bit underdeveloped, but it's always nice to see old Eli Wallach. Uh, all in all, a solid, enjoyable film with some very nice kitchens. You know why, Cameron Diaz? Because you're a son of a bitch. <laughs> Rondé. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I do like this movie. It's just, it felt very weird. And and like you said, in theory, I like the kind of crisscross storylines thing, but I felt like it was very strange where it's like, we'd have a scene with one storyline and it felt like, okay, the next scene will really build on that. and We'll get cooking here. But they're like, no, let's go back over to LA. I didn't mind that. I, I didn't mind that at all, but I, I feel like, half of iris's plotline was with arthur with eli wallach mm-hmm. and like miles like he barely was there for like the first half of the movie whereas like amanda is it's like all her and graham in london i really wanted to respond to i mean i definitely responded to their storyline more than than graham and amanda but i want to respond even more and i kind of felt like the only person who thinks that that Jack Black is more miscast in this role than me is probably Jack Black himself. I felt like he kept trying no, I to he was, I think be comfortable. He, I think he was cast correctly, personally. I think he's n- supposed to be Jack Black. Like he's he's not your typical leading man in a rom com, I think was the point of it. You know, he even has a line where like, you know, he's talking about how you he could never believe that uh Maggie was like, you know, dating him. You know, I'll like, put it this way. I kind of wish that he had just improvised his entire role hmm. just to make it feel a little more him. I don't have a problem with Jack Black being in this movie because Jack Black is a weird entity where when he first you know, came to my attention on cinema, I fucking hated him. <laughs> and then I think 
I was programmed to hate him in high fidelity. And then I turned myself around, obviously, by the end of that movie and liked him and pretty much everything he's I done. Mean, since. To me, just like he completely owns high fidelity, steals that movie. He does. He does. Absolutely. But but when he first shows up in that movie, I groan because I remember him being like, do you remember him? And I still know what you did last summer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember that. I, he was that guy and like who would show up in movies for a long time yeah. and I fucking hated him. And now I, I get excited whenever I see Jack Black because he just seems so, I don't know, a little, 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 little puckish, a little maniacal. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this movie, he's definitely the good version of whatever the fuck Andy Bernard was in The Office. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. You know, it seems like most of the people who were responding to the the tweet you posted about this movie were like all in on Iris and Miles. I I hate to disappoint, but I did like the romance between Amanda and Graham better. Really, just on Graham's side, I guess. I think I am just mentally recasting Amanda to be somebody else in my mind Um, because I think Cameron Diaz just doesn't work in the role. But like as a conceptual romance, I like their romance better than Miles and Iris. Well, Cause I, I don't think the details of her life makes sense. I, I, really... I think it all makes sense except for it. Cameron Diaz. Like it feels like she is an actress on like, having a nervous breakdown who like goes overseas. It doesn't feel like she's a movie trailer editor at all. Like That's it, what I mean. if, if she was playing the actress, Cameron Diaz or something or like a Notting Hill situation, it would make, make way more sense. Cause she seems very vain and, and like weird, you know? Like if you told me that they like filmed the scene with like Catherine Hahn and John Krasinski and them actually cutting a trailer like last mm-hmm. and she was just like, oh shit, <laughs> I've played this all wrong. I mean, I think part of the problem why I don't connect to their relationship is that I just don't feel like the two of them had chemistry. I mean, he's, he's I, definitely I guess I just probably like, his most fuckable. I feel, I feel like July is like, I'll handle the chemistry. <laughs> like it literally doesn't matter who I'm acting against. Yeah, I mean, he definitely... I mean, I watched this movie, and I, for the first time, I was like, why wasn't Jude Law James Bond? I don't know if it would work, but I, I, I'd watch that he's screen test He's too something for James Bond. I can't put well, my finger on what. I think we all know that he's probably a real son of a bitch. It seems like he'd be like a 008 or like a, you know, Trevelyan <laughs> or something. <laughs> I feel like you've Fighting used that James. insult. Yeah. You've used that insult quite a few times, but it always works. It always works, you know. <laughs> I was I remember uh, you had seen Munich before me, and yeah. I was like... How about that fellow Craig? And you're like, I don't know, 005. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I was thinking of trading since doing something different for this. Um, maybe instead of just doing our top moments and then going through the movie, what if we just went through the movie and kind of highlighted our top moments as we hit them? Oh, I'll totally forget them by then. Oh, don't you just have them written down? Not not within the, the text of my general notes. You can't no. just scroll back out to them? I guess I'm gonna have to. Let's. I, I just. I don't know. I feel like that that flowed really well when we did that with a uh, friend of the pod, Caitlin, on uh, was it uh, Happiest Season? Mm-hmm. So, I which know. thank you to a person who who pointed out after we ruminated on it for ten minutes that it's a play on Gayest Season. Oh, is it? <laughs> is that a saying? Think- is Gayest I, Season a saying? Yeah. Is it okay? Um, but uh, I was like, when I saw that tweet, I was like, oh. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll figure it out. I, mm-hmm. I had seven, though. I'm just kind of curious. What was I have your seven as well. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll get right to my number one, or not my number one, but I should say my, um, this is actually my number six, uh, right at the start of the movie here, is the monologue that Iris has about love. Uh, it's a nice little voiceover, as we see. It's like Alex mm. O'Loughlin and Odette Annabelle making out in this trailer here. Hmm. Actually, it's not a trailer. It's just a scene. That's right. That uh, Jack Black is scoring. 
um, in basically like Hans Zimmer's like facsimile office here, which I feel like is very accurate because that motherfucker is just sitting there with his uh, virtual instruments. That's why all his scores sound a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, right off the bat, I was like, Shannon Sossaman, huh? Okay. <laughs> Shannon Sossaman. Let me see if I can find some of the quotes from this thing. But she's basically doing her like sex in the city narration over this, but about Shakespeare quotes. Yeah. Um, you know, I've also found everything ever written about love to be true. Shakespeare said journeys end in lovers meetings. What an extraordinary thought. Personally, I've not experienced anything remotely close to that, but I'm more willing to believe Shakespeare had in it. It goes on and on. And she's talking about this is the worst Christmas. And, uh, three miserable years of my life. We kind of introduced to Jasper there and what a piece of garbage he is. Yeah. And just unrequited love and, and how much it sucks. So his name is Jasper. Give me a fucking break. Rufus Sewell. But, uh, talk about perfect casting because the moment you see Ed Burns, you know, he's shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was really he's weird seeing him because I feel like the only other thing I've seen him in is, uh, like saving private Ryan. Oh really? He still has. I mean, I know he's in like lucky she's the one. you. Yeah. Um, Which he directed her in. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Lucky you. Um, mm. no, he's got the just that very New York accent, which almost feels out of place in this movie. What is the nature of his friendship of Miles? Like, what film composer bar were they friends? At? I wasn't sure who if he was what? friends with him or Amanda. Yeah, he Miles implies that he's like co-workers with mm. edward burns that's why he's picking up his stuff though i don't buy i don't buy that relationship at all but okay yeah i mean do composers just like hang out <laughs> i just all the fake jobs in this are, i don't know it's, it's such a rom-com movie occupation moment here like you've got the trailer editor the uh composer the journalists who just like writes wedding announcements yeah. yeah wedding announcements has a whole whole office for it too and a uh, book editor that's all cl- good classic there who all live in just like amazing houses well let's talk about houses where do you where do, where do you rank the three houses oh what's the third house jude law's house which oh, one do right. you do rank them in, in in like you would want to possess them and live in them um can i get jude law's jude law's house without the kids Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Jude Law's house is my number one. Yeah, that would be my number one. Um, gosh, I don't know. It's The other two are tough because I the other one, I, Amanda's house is bigger, but I don't really like the styling at all. It's cold. Yeah. It feels it's like LA, a... Which, fuck LA. Yeah. Well, apparently, apparently the Santa Ana winds are like a supernatural mm-hmm. force that will blow your ass shit over. Um, it's It feels like an Ikea almost. Yeah. It, I would, I, I would probably put hers last. Um, Iris's cottage seems very cozy. Which uh, I feel like I read somewhere like that would be... It's like a $2 like, million dollar two, home. Or yeah. Something. So that's part of the money right there because they built that house in the middle of that field. Cool. Like, yeah. Can they like sell that house when they're done or is it just like worthless and have to tear it I, down? I, I don't know if it's just like a facade or whatever, but but they, they built it there. Um, but I would want the whole village and everything too with it. That seems... Yeah, but I feel like you uh, get that with Graham's house, and it's just like a little yeah. bit bigger. It had I'm remembering correctly, there's like a nice staircase situation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very invested in like Graham's house and like the village. I'll the even whole take the tent. Nice. Just you know, lose the kids. Yeah, I'd be very concerned if I mm-hmm. moved in and there were two children. I would be like, "You're both ghosts, right?" Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, plus I think L.A. seems nice in this movie, but also, if my understanding is that L.A. is a little bit dead in December, mm, or deader. I guess I don't know. I live there. I can't recall. Um, too many people there for me. I like the idea of a, a nice, quiet hamlet in the UK. Mm. Where you can get pissed at the pub, mm-hmm. sl- like just drag your ass over to your sister's How like, little cottage. did he get over there, which is what I have wondering the whole time. Did he drive well, there? Because she's not quite like within walking distance of the village. I mean, We've been like a, informed like of that. It's a two-mile hike at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's he should be pretty sobered up by that point. But then mm-hmm. he's just like, well, while I'm here, how about a little of the old in-out, in-out? In his sister's bed, too. That, that, that's what I was thinking about the entire time. It's like, dude, that's your sister's bed, though. Uh, but yeah, Shannon, but yeah, Jude Law is the kind of guy who just falls ass backwards into sex, right? I mean, you look like Jude Law. You just, all he has to do is walk into a bar and like lock eyes with the first woman he sees. And but she's in, he still has hair here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Shannon Sossman here at the beginning. You, you can just immediately sense the dynamic. Jack Black is uh, he calls her like my love or something like that, and it's just like yeah, five months. Mm-hmm. They've been dating for five months, and mm-hmm. he's like, "You're my love." Yeah, nope. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is just who Shannon Sossman is in real life. I don't know. <laughs> Ever since I, I listened to the commentary on Rules of Attraction that she was on, and she mm-hmm. did not come off well on that commentary, and kind of out oh, on Shannon Sossman. What what turned you off? I don't. I don't know. I've she seemed to it, but I don't remember. Just incredibly full of herself. Oh, I imagine you would be though if you've just been in Rules of Attraction. You're yeah. watching yourself on screen. Mm. Um, uh, she's then, like the uh, like the the girl who like the double who gets like shot in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. If I recall, that's that next Christmas we should do that. There you go. Um, what did Roger Avery go to jail for? I think like a like a DUI manslaughter situation, maybe or something like that. Nice, nice. He yeah. uh. He killed Paul Walker. Nice. Um, Paul so Walker did yeah, that to himself. <laughs> we see Kate Winslet like wrapping a Christmas present, coming to Christmas party. Um, uh, those suffering from unrequited love are the real victims, and then of course there's fucking Rufus Sewell, mm-hmm. newlywed Italian passenger he killed in a drunk driving ca- crash. No, oh. mm-hmm. bummer. Um, yeah, so apparently like. Uh, She's like telling the coworker that, that she's been shagging him for three years, but he's also shagging other girls. I feel like then it should have been, but now definitely like uh, he's getting sacked, right? Like that's, this that's was, not a secret that's being kept. This was back when you, you shit where you ate, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it is a I'm, newspaper, which I don't know, maybe they have better HR standards these days, but back in the day, I think it was much more kind of anything goes. Well, technically, I guess jobs. I guess he's not technically doing something wrong. Like from a, I mean, obviously it's, it's shitty, but like it's not breaking a law. Well, he's not her superior. Seemingly, he just like works yeah, in another yeah. department or whatever. Yeah, and and she if she she he's clearly made her aware that he's shagging other birds, mm-hmm. and she's although it didn't. Whatever. I don't think he exactly made her aware at first. It's the impression no, 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 I no, get. No. It's like she thought that it was just them, and then like, oh no. He's into yeah, other yeah. people too, but he still comes back to me now and then. I mean, I I like Kate Winslet always. I think Kate Winslet, in a certain way, I think ScarJo kind of wants her career. Like the two of them, like I think they're 
I don't know. They, they, they take very similar, very weird roles. Um, so I like her in this. I, I feel her a little pain. more mainstream, I guess, but yeah. But she's also a lot weirder too. Mm-hmm. Like she's willing to take more like under the skin risks yeah. than Kate Winslet is. Um, but it just feels like her character's lot in life is suffering here. <laughs> it's rough. The, uh, the scene where like the, I don't know, the editor-in-chief or whatever this dude is, is like, everyone, I'd like to announce that uh, we have a, a new assignment for Iris here. She gets to write about this dude's engagement. And like, did he just not know? Like, shouldn't everyone in the office know about this? Like, man, that that sucked. About the engagement or the fact that he didn't the, check? That, that they had dated in the past and that like she was still in him. Because it, it seems like uh, her friend here knows for sure. So I feel like if the friend knows, everybody in that office knows. It's a well, newspaper. I feel like the like the fiance doesn't know. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like at the very least the editor should have known that like, oh, these two used to be together. Maybe it's a little mm, awkward, but I, maybe it wasn't I thinking I mean, about it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean you probably have a lot of employees back then, mm-hmm. um, before you like everyone go and go to online behind a paywall. I, I don't know if you know who all they're shagging. Um um or what the fiance knows, especially when he departs on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but apparently Kate Winslet and Rufus Sewell actually dated in real life at some point, which is an interesting touch. Was he in that show Rubicon? Am I just imagining that? Mm, not that I recall. I know Jane's Vagetale was. Yeah. I don't remember who else was in Rubicon. Rubicon, the the not Three Days of a Condor show. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to that at this party, one lady walks past and she's just like, Hey, Iris, did you finish your story yet? And Iris is like, oh, my deadline. Whoopsie doopsie. Tappy, tappy, <laughs> Better tappy, go right. Yeah. <laughs> my huge office for, for my one column that I do that day. <laughs> it's a gig. Um, and then he's, he comes in to like, you know, haunt her. And it's just like, oh, hey, I got you a, pro- a present, but I probably lost it. Cheerio. Mm-hmm. She has like this specially wrapped. Yeah, it's just, it just hurts. You're just like, oh, poor Kate Winslet. Yeah, she... She got him a first edition of some book. This book sort of they've been to before that she clearly has nostalgia for. And he's just like, huh, how funny. <laughs> how funny your little brain is. <laughs> Oof. Um, yeah, so our boy Jasper here is engaged to some girl. And, and man, just the, the close-up on her face, which I think is evocative of... Was it Sense and Sensibility that had the same close-up on her face like that? I don't know. I've not seen that movie. Um, so she heads home on a train and I started to make a joke about how this is how she becomes the girl on the train and then I was like oh wait that's Emily Blunt I tried watching that movie I made it like halfway through did you get to good. the bathroom scene I, I maybe not I don't know I don't think so the bathroom scene is is where it all comes together at least mm. as far as her I mean here's the thing about all like domestic noir the same person always did it mm-hmm. it's always the husband always, always the husband just like in real life um but yeah, I kind of wonder if Emily Blunt and Kate Winslet would like compete for a lot of mainstream roles. They probably the have, yeah. Seem about similar age range. But I, I also don't buy that this this cottage is just forty minutes away from London. I don't buy that. I mean, it sounds like her parents are both like publishing legends. Yeah. So yeah, maybe uh, mommy and daddy bought it, you know, back in the day or something. Yeah, because I just, I just mean the commute is probably much longer. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand anything about London commutes, so I'll believe anything they tell me. Um, so, you know, anyways, Kate, Kate's just going to be wailing. That's, that's right now what her future looks like. Uh, <laughs> Going inside wanna... and crying. So we've seen Edward Burns and, and Cameron in the car earlier. Now mm-hmm. we're like seeing them in LA. And he's just waking up on the couch, yeah. awoken by the yard guy blowing leaves. 
which man, I don't know if I owned a house and clearly like I have this massive mansion and I can pay for an entire like gardening service. Could you not like request like later in the day? Maybe yeah. she's a morning person. I appreciate though that this is her house. Oh yeah. She owns a company. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have I have so many questions about <laughs> the company. Um, I, I so guess I believe that such a company would exist. I know they do exist because of all the uh, the Suicide Squad trailer editing fiasco stuff. The fiasco stuff? It was the, like a company cut the trailer with um, the Queen song, Bohemian mm. Rhapsody, and like the studio liked it so much they like hired that company and just like re-edit the whole movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, Oof. that's why you got Suicide Squad how it is. Oof, that and that uh, David Ayer directed it to begin with. I mean, is this, is that leading me to believe that there's a better? It can't be a better version. An air cut? No, I'm sure it's a worse version. But apparently, the tone is much different. And the God. after the trailer it got positive buzz, uh, they recut well, the movie to put more needle drops in. Poor, poor David Ayer. Fuck you! Like you can't even get the the crazies to start chanting about mm-hmm. the air cut. Anyway. Ugh. Um. Yeah. So since he goes to see Cameron Diaz, she's like immediately like throwing shoes at him, furious. Assumes that he slept with his receptionist. Um. She she's an editor, like we said, cuts mood trailers. She's apparently cut seventy five trailers this year. Also, I imagine her job is frantic. If you have to cut the trailer for the movie coming out on Christmas, and it's two weeks before Christmas, yeah, I imagine Pretty that's tight. a deadline. Yeah. Unless it's like for next year, I don't know if that that movie is such a huge like hype hit that you need a trailer at a year in advance. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Why'd you bring two guns? <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay um, Lohan and James Franco. Yeah. Um, one of my other, I guess this would be number five moment here. Top moment was when she's yelling at him and like the gardener dude is like, just like doing his gardener shit, you know, down on the, the grounds next to him. And she's like, mm-hmm. just admit that you cheated. And he oh. just kind of looks at him. He's like shaking his head. Like, don't do it, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she does. He fucking yeah. does it. We must all remember the advice from Shaggy. It wasn't me. Um, so the movie starts to let us know that she has like uh, acid reflux or she's got some sort of esophageal es- something or other, and she can't cry. But she doesn't say esophageal. She says esophagus. Esophagus. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think that's right, Cameron. You no, alien. Esophageal spasm. Yeah, which apparently Nancy Myers dealt with as well. Mm-hmm. So, so later in the movie, is it like implied that by meeting Jude Law, it cures her esophageal spasms? I don't think it cures that. My unless I missed something, or the movie my, just stops talking about it. My impression is that that's just like a stress reaction, but that he, okay, he he broke through some sort of psychic barrier that allowed her to cry again so after he like got in there and like rearranged her guts mm-hmm. you're saying he also just uh reordained her she's, esophagus she's just like i can't cry and jude law is like i'll take care of that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cool high five cool, cool. well she's just like uh i find uh um foreplay to be overrated and he's mm-hmm. just like we'll just get that moisture going um anyway Oof. So he's sticking to her that she's the only woman in the world who's breaking up her boyfriend and not shedding a tear. I fucking hated Ed Bur- I hated all of this. Like the whole thing where he's just constantly giving her shit because she doesn't cry. This is like basically, I don't know. Well, it's a just new very, way to tell her she's uptight. I feel like because this is a PG-13 movie and it's kind of like 
they don't want a harsh buzz too much, even though there is an Iris almost kills herself scene. It's like mm-hmm. we can't make this guy so incredibly shitty that it would like, th- you know, put you off for dinner, so to speak. And so he's just sort of he's sleazy, but in like an affable way, like, aha, I knew you were cheating on me, but it isn't like I'm truly heartbroken, like what a massive betrayal. You know, it's kind of it's 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 light and airy cheating. I mean, I, I'm, I was pleased at least that she was just like open to casual sex later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's everything about him is an asshole. And he finally admits he's been sleeping the uh, receptionist. She's like, she's in love with me. Yeah, she's young. <laughs> it's like and the gardener's just like, <sighs> amateur. Yeah, like seriously, dude, you're 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 blowing this. The fucking gardener warned you, man. You got to listen to that guy. Yeah, listen to your gardener. They, I mean, clearly this gardener has seen some shit. Mm-hmm. He's listening uh, to that Shaggy song. <laughs> My problem with this house is that I don't believe that she lives there. Like nothing looks personal. It looks like a hotel. Yeah, like I don't know, man. I, I'm always like, I don't trust people when I come over and their house is too clean. It's like no one lives there. That's all true. And yet, like, I had to, I guess, identify a little bit with, like, all her, like, media tastes in this movie are, like, scarily, like, it's similar to my own. And so... Oh, so you were, like, you like only Sony movies from yes. his first... <laughs> but it's, like, the book the she reads and music she listens to, the movie, the DVD she has. I'm just like, wow, I feel like I'm called out right now. Mm-hmm. Putting on some killers. Um... Also, the worst song choice ever, that Jet song. Yeah. 100%, that dance was not choreographed to that song. They had no <laughs> idea what she was going to dance to when they filmed that, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um. Anyway, so apparently also, I, I feel like he's shocked like that they never have sex, although apparently we'll find out later that he just constantly tells her that she's bad at it. In her face. Yeah, oh, it's like, maybe no wonder she doesn't want to have sex with you, asshole. Well, I mean, I, I feel like the, the picture we're painting is she's uh, obsessed with her job, you know, a little bit cold emotionally, that kind of thing. The yeah, usual rom-com standard there. He, he's just like, this isn't all me. Maybe you're not such a rage. You'll see that too. And she, she punches him in the face and he's like, you gotta be kidding me. So she punches him in the face again and I loved her. I was surprised um, we didn't get like a, a knee to the groin. He deserved it. It would have been appropriate, yeah. I just want to see somebody mess up his stupid gelled up hair. Was it gelled? Um, it's Ed Burns. It's always oh. slick back of like okay. industrial bullshit. No, it's, um, it's not in this. It's like to, to the side. Okay. Um, so she goes inside and then suddenly there's just Catherine Hahn who I've had a huge crush on Catherine Hahn since Step Brothers. Really? Okay. I've never seen that movie. Yeah. So I have not. It's, it's fine. But the bathroom scene she's is uh, like really Amanda Harkness or something. In one edition, Agatha, Agatha Harkis. Okay, I don't think that's her actual name, but that's who she's basically playing in the One Division. Um, that looks good. Yeah, right? so One Division. Yeah. Oh, I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. In a big. Just imagine way. A, that show for a major IP that uh, takes you know the minorest of risks and tries to uh, do something interesting. Anyway, especially being the first one out the gate mm-hmm. of their yeah Disney Plus shows, it's gonna be wild. Um, so then we watch this trailer for this. Lindsay Lohan, James Franco movie called Deception. <laughs> it's coming out Christmas Day. This looks like a like straight to Netflix movie. I mean, I guess they don't yeah. have the budget to make it look really good, but it, it looked, reminded me a lot of um, God. What is that movie that I think even stars Cameron Diaz with Keanu? Is it Chain Reaction? Is that a uh, I've Diaz definitely movie? seen that movie. I'm trying to remember. She she might be in that. Yeah, 
It's that's a bad the vibe movie. that I yeah. I got. I think but, it like outruns like a nuclear explosion on a motorcycle in that, which or there's something with like cold fusions, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just anyway, so at one point, uh, Franco's got two guns, and she's like, "Why'd you bring two guns?" And he's just like, "I didn't think one would be enough." Just ridiculous. And this is Krasinski. Uh, I think The Office has already started airing at this point. John Krasinski here is just her other assistant or something. Yeah, he's like one line. I think he's in, he's more Nancy Myers like next movie. I think I did like the the part where uh, Amanda is talking about stress and aging and whatnot at the end. She's like, "This is just women, not men." And Ben just goes, "I'm sorry." <laughs> and Catherine Hahn just gets in this funny look. Like I don't know, it's it's funny. Yeah, I mean, I'm just fascinating that there's this whole element with Krasinski and Catherine Hahn, and it's like you're never going to see them again. This movie. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, so I kept thinking like, okay, cool. We got our best friend character mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so she wants to get out of town. She wants to eat some carbs and read a book or two. Cause she keeps buying books and, and never, never reading them. Um, oh yeah. What's the line women over, over the age are more likely to get killed by a terrorist and get married. Yeah. I think there's something like that in there. Um, so this, this house exchange situation, which, and I know I, I thought it was funny the way they worked it out because it, it's kind of absurd and yet like they're somehow the perfect match for each other. They're just like chatting with each other. Um, this is, I think, after Iris almost kills herself, right? When they finally start chatting. Also, also Amanda's office. Did you see? Did you see that? Just the office in general. Just to see what's on the wall there. Um, I perhaps I did not. What was, was it? it? Oh, the Vertigo she's poster. A, she got a Vertigo okay. poster. <laughs> I don't believe this character's ever seen Vertigo, but wow. okay. Okay. It's very judgmental <laughs> she, of you. She could be an alien in this movie. I think right? she's she's clearly very much like a uh uh a maven of, of media. I think she would be podcasting if this movie were coming out now. She'd be a podcaster. Uh, she clearly works for Sony, except for her Vertigo <laughs> poster. Yeah, this website, this like homeexchange.com, they're worried for your vacations. What the fuck is the vetting process here? <laughs> I mean, like same duration you have to share with a person. Apparently, this is a real website, like to the point I, where the UK actually had to shut warning, it down. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we're coming up on my number one moment. Actually, is when Iris starts huffing the natural gas to kill herself. No, <laughs> that's not actually my number one. I was like, "Oh shit, this movie's way darker than I thought it was." <laughs> I don't think that would work personally. I don't know, or at least not not well. I think you're supposed to stick your head in the oven. Maybe your oven's too small. Uh, why? What's wrong with just start leaving the car running in the garage? So reason it's a classic. Have a garage, I don't think. Oh, good point. I mean, the only the only thing I I don't really feel Cameron's frustrations with the cottage, except for I think the first time I bang my head coming down the stairs, that will stick with me. Not, not a problem for me, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they're they're basically IMing each other. Uh, you know, kind of like Jude Long, Clive Owen, cybering and closer. They're just chatting over the internet here. Um, Cameron, of course, is the kind of character because it's a movie where she has to narrate everything she's thinking. Like, oh, this house is too small. This house is too big. This house is just right. I mean, I'm not sure if even now movies or TV shows have totally figured out how to do this. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the chatting on screen. I mean, we don't chat as much anymore, but we text. Um, but yeah, I feel like movies have never been good at this. They have to have the person say it because it's you don't want to just have them read it. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the Cameron asks, can I ask you one thing? Are there any men in your town? And Kate's like, zero. And she's like, ha when can I come? 
Well, as soon as you meet Jula, that's when. Um, so they're going to swap homes for two weeks starting the next day. This is going to cost a fortune. They're both rich. They, they, both, both, have, they both have Everyone two million dollar homes. Yeah, they'll be fine. Everyone in this movie is rich. Mm-hmm. There's not a person in this movie who's not rich. Um, so Kate's on Does the point. It's not that, sexy and romantic. What's that? Poor people. This is true. Mm-hmm. Well, being, I don't know. I, I I only kind of dipped my toe in the Nancy Myers daughter controversy of the internet this past week. Is there a controversy about her daughter? S- somewhat. Okay. We'll come back to it. But there are some because I guess it's um, Hallie. It's uh, it's yeah, it's Nancy Myers week on like Vulture or whatever. Oh, and I so, saw. That, yeah, Emily Yoshida tweeted something vague about that. I wasn't sure what she's talking about. So so. One writer wrote an article that was basically like the taxonomy of all the details of Nancy Myers movies, which, you know, is kind of tongue in cheek, but I think ultimately is very loving how, of the how, world she creates. How convenient for us to be doing this on Nancy Myers week. When we didn't even well, know it was Nancy Myers week. Yeah, we we did pick this like prior to this last <laughs> yeah. week. But um, so then the daughter commented a bunch of stuff I can I can post an article about or something where she was basically like, this is kind of a sexist article. This is kind of blah, blah, blah. And people have mostly come forward and been like, uh, no, it's it's actually kind of a loving tribute to your mom's movies. And then also there might be an issue where I guess the daughter directed a movie that's apparently terrible. And and pretty there, much everyone's pointed she out. has no value. Well, but everyone's kind of pointed out, well, this is a bad movie that, that Nancy also produced. And, and I, I think the daughter, understandably, could be a little bit upset about criticism about her movie. Anyway. Mm. Uh, but but there's some details that came out a lot about, you know, actors would do takes in a kind of a Fincher fashion. Nancy Myers would keep yelling cut mm-hmm. and then she would run over there and not like give notes to the actors. She would just rearrange, like do some art direction in the background and be like, now it's perfect. Let's do it again. You know, I mean, the details. I, she likes the details. I see nothing wrong with that, I guess. I don't know. No. Like, am I supposed to dislike her for that? I feel like there are plenty of male directors who do that. Well, but I mean, if you're a painter, I mean, yeah. a, a single color and an element could change the whole picture. Um, so there's a funny bit where Kate's on the plane thinking that this handsome guy is going to be sitting next to her. But no, he's married <laughs> sitting in the row behind her. It's, it's real. It's just the uh, act floating above her head there. Like a Kathy cartoon. So, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> act. <laughs> so she gets these two older women sitting on either side of her. which oh, that's I my just feel like, let's trade. Clearly, you uh, guys weren't going to want to talk to each other. We One of us can swap. Which yeah, one of you has the worst bladder? Yeah. Do not talk. Also, middle, like absolute middle seat in the middle section of the plane. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I guess it's like Good. an Airbus A30 or A230 or something. I, I'd i rather die if I'm not in the aisle. Um, I mean, I never even ride in planes that have middle aisles. You know, <laughs> I'm all 737s on Southwest, so never an issue for me. There you go. Um, so, but before the plane takes off, she gets an email from Jasper wanting to know how we can reach him. Where she's Man, going. Let fuck me this check. guy. Um, this is my number three moment is when she flat out emails him back <laughs> to say, um, we both know I'm in love with you. I need to fall out of love with you. And it'd be sure as fuck great if you would let me try. Yeah. Yeah. It would uh, be great if you'd let me try. Cause seriously, dude, you, you just like announce your engagement and you're just like, flirting with her about a vacation i salute you how do i reach you like dude dude mm. well he made eye contact with her during the announcement mm-hmm. he saw that it was crushing her he's counting on like a continued affair like you know a hookup whenever he wants it even after he gets he's, married he's the worst he's just he like i know my wife will get pregnant eventually you know it's funny to me like as much as 
seemingly their relationship is consensual. It's not like he's cheating on her. I do find him so much more detestable than even Ed Burns. Well, I mean, I guess the Ed Burns thing, it was like the relationship kind of seemed like it was half over anyway. And yeah, it's clearly like he's not damaging her heart in the well, way Burns, that Jasper is. Ed Burns' whole thing is fortunately a blessing in disguise because mm-hmm. it got her to fuck out of that relationship. Yeah. I don't know. The question is, I don't know who I hate more is Jasper or the guy who won't drive Cameron all the way to the house. Man, fuck that guy. So speaking <laughs> oh, of Cameron. Oh, had to turn around. So no. <laughs> the nerve of him to pick her up later. Yes. Yes. Good for her to get the fuck out of that car. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cameron's like clearly flying first class to England, which is, that's a long flight. That's, that's a lot of books. That's not, that's kind of way to go. So we got uh, Kite Runner, Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, Atonement by Ian McEwan, Team of Rivals about Lincoln, which I believe what roughly the Spielberg movie is based on, mm-hmm. uh, the first Harry Potter and the American version of it, Chronicles by Bob Dylan, The Corrections by Franz, and Runaway by Alice Monroe, and I couldn't make out the last one. Good old Franz in there. It's Wisdom of Forgiveness. Uh, it's like the Dalai Lama or something. Uh, so let's see. I'm guessing you've read Franz in... Franzen and uh, Harry Potter, and I've seen Atonement, the movie adaption or adaptation. Okay. Yeah, and I guess I've seen Lincoln okay. too. So you know, it's basically like I've read four of them. There you go. You you know of Bob Dylan? I've heard of Alice Monroe. I've listened to a couple of Bob Dylan songs. So you know, yeah. You you've heard there. the Rainy Day Women, whatever and whatever numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. You know that Kite Runner's probably been made into a movie as well. Right. I've there you definitely go. heard the title. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm. Um. So she's falling asleep, and then we get this bit, which I kind of wanted more of. But I don't know if I wanted less oh, the of the trailer where, thing. Is this uh what is it? is his name Hal Anderson? What is his name? It's Hal something, the trailer voice guy. Starts trolling her like mm-hmm. she's got it all. The job, the house, the guy, this holiday season. Find out what she doesn't have. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile in LA, Kate's landing, she's taking a cab along the coast. I understand that this is not you would not be on the PCH. <laughs> Coming from the airport? And coming from LAX? No, it's it's unless she flew to Ventura. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure what, what she's doing here. Maybe she wanted the scenic route. I've also, I think, read that she's potentially also going in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, she's going south. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where she's coming from. Maybe she just wanted to see Malibu. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, she's just like, well, it's LA. I know everything takes forever. So mm-hmm. I'll just get there in three hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, she goes on sunset at one point. Um contrasted with we get a car driving Cameron through snowy England and contrast to sunny LA in this tiny village. So this is another big chunk of the money because the snow is all CGI. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, in general, this would be another reason I would take uh, uh, Graham or uh, Iris's place is, is uh, just this vibe, the winter, mm-hmm. the snow. This is more me than sunny LA. I don't know if I want to walk. I don't want to drunkenly crawl the two miles plus or, or two kilometers plus back to my my cottage but I think you just need like a segue with like a little some like four-wheel drive uh or you know just like the big tires the big rubber tires on it off-roaders do people still get segways rich people do yeah do they i guess so you roll up and you're like michael yeah um there's a pub yeah, called so- the white horse mm. yeah i want a pub with a, with a weird animal name mm-hmm. um yeah, so Cameron's sleeping in the back, has to be woken up by the driver. He he, he drops her off at the cemetery at first. <laughs> he just looks outside her ear. It's a cemetery. <laughs> and then she's like, hey, do you think he could, uh, you know, head down this road? And he's just like, no. Yeah. Fuck this guy. I hope she didn't tip him. 
Well, I don't think they tip in England anyway, but are they like morally opposed to it? I, I think it's, just... I think other countries have uh, figured out the, uh, the social science of paying their workers enough so that uh, uh, tipping isn't uh, necessary to augment their wages. Just, you just, you don't want to get the, the peasants used to a handout. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So she's walking like in the snow in, with her bag, almost like slips in, in heels at one point. According to Cameron Diaz, this is her most physical movie because of all the walking. Right. Um, she finally gets to the house, which is called Rose Hill Cottage. I mean, just a country where like your home has a name. Yeah. Have you named your, your home? No. No. Okay. Maybe that means I'm destined to move. Mm. Uh-oh. Now, I know, I know, unfortunately, I know you. Mm-hmm. Once it's put in your brain, that it uh, can't be unscratched. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Kate Winslet, it gets to Cameron's and she's like, holy fuck, this place is a, is a mansion. Um, what does the house swap thing cost? I assume it's just free. They're just like, I'm rich, you're rich. Let's just live in each other's houses. The website has to take a cut of something, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the website's really involved in that. Like, maybe they're just like running some banner ads on the site or something. Because obviously, Kate's or Iris's place is a $2 million cottage. Um, Cameron's has got to be more. This isn't Brentwood. So I feel like this is probably like five or six million because it's pretty, That's where it's OG pretty huge, too. Right? Uh, yeah, at least so. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, Beverly Hills adjacent, I think. So obviously, this house is a set. That's another chunk of the budget. Uh, other than salaries, the last big chunk is um, apparently ten million of the budget went to uh, their faces. Their faces. They did like a CGI overhaul of everyone's face through the whole movie. Pretty much. Did they not have makeup? I don't know. I don't know, I that don't seems know what that entails. Yeah, I don't know what that entails. Especially because but... I'm pretty sure there's some shots, like close-up shots, and like Kate Winslet's been crying and she's like, you know, a sad bastard at the beginning, where it's like. She clearly doesn't have makeup on, or at least, you know, not. She's, you know, got the, the no makeup look or whatever. So mm-hmm. you're really paying for CGI on that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like the rest of us, she just marvels at how fucking massive this place is. Nice backyard and pool, big living room, classic Nancy Myers kitchen, which they don't do enough. In. They really don't. I was expecting more of the kitchens. Um, yeah. The, I see a pool. Uh, maybe there's a shot later. I don't see a spa, which I feel like if you can have a pool, you got to have a spa. I mean, in a in a different director's movie, Miles is tongue fucking her on on that kitchen island. I guess I, I just mean, just really just miss, to use it. I really miss my parents' spa. Is what I'm saying. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's a good pivot from tongue fucking to your parents' spa. Mm-hmm. You can tongue fuck um, in a spa. I feel like <laughs> you could drown. I mean, I guess. I mean, your feet are in the. Water. I don't know. There's videos I've seen online. Uh, can we talk about the like weird Bond movie villain uh, outfit that Cameron Diaz has here? It's like this like white turtleneck with black pants. I don't know. There's something very like striking about it with like her hair. So, I feel like she's gonna like kill a double O with a silencer. I've always said like I want my my dream my dream dream Bond movie would be Charlie Theron's mm. character from Prometheus as a Bond villain. From Prometheus, okay, interesting. From Prometheus, I, I, I would just say Charlie's their own in general, but yeah, it's going to be crazy to say this. I kind of feel like that's one of the hottest she's ever been in a film is in Prometheus because okay. she's just a stone cold badass. Um, but she's got the black gloves here. Cameron Diaz does, which really complete the look. Yeah. Also, she yeah, should yeah. not be driving. So she's she's driving Kate's mini. Um, some shenanigans that she has to keep reminding herself to drive on the left. She's going to fuck this village up. Mm-hmm. So this is my, I'm going to look at the numbers here. 
This is my number six moment where she parks in town and is like, I need a drink. Mm-hmm. Cut to her in like some kind of village market drinking straight from this wine bottle while carrying a shopping basket with her. I guess there is a detail when she's getting rung up. There's a uh, she buys a corkscrew and there is a cork on it that she used that she she already used the corkscrew to uncork the bottle of wine that she's drinking from freely. I think I read and I didn't notice it when I watched it the other night that uh, you do see Jew Law briefly, like she almost hits him with her bike. Oh, interesting. Um, so you know that's a real meat cute. So yeah, I, I kind of think just the way she's drinking in that that market, she might be a little too slosh to drive that mini back to the college, but okay, or to the cottage, but okay. Um, so she gets back to the cottage, and then you know, commercial for her movie trailer comes on already, and she says to the dog, "That's why they pay me the big bucks, mm-hmm. very also, big bucks." Yeah. Also, oh, we've seen the house. Kate really had it rough. You know she did because she's just like, also stranger, please take care of my dog. Seems like a nice dog. Seems like a nice dog, but also please feed my dog. Mm-hmm. So uh, this Cameron, place, this place seems very cozy. It's got like just a lot of wood and stone in it. Like, yeah, you know, exposed wood. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I I just I think I like Jude's place a little bit more. It's it's like the best of the two, honestly. Um, so she starts to fire in the fireplace, gets bored, plays with her hair, drunkenly dancing on the Mister Bright side. I as, would as I would do. I would murder several people to be able to just go chill out in the UK for two weeks and not work and, and hang out in this cottage. How many people? Six. Let's say five. Five people. Mm-hmm. Uh, two to start off if, with, and then like people keep showing up while I'm cleaning up the bodies, so I have to kill them too. You know. Okay, so the deal is you're going to kill two people, mm-hmm. but like we could do a thing where it's like one is a stranger, the other is somebody you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so later she's doing some reading. She gets in a staring contest with the dog, like really psychs this poor dog out. I, I, I do find it interesting because I feel like anytime the person tells you, I just want some time off to just like hang out and read, mm-hmm. they're never going to do that. They're never going to do that. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, she may have if Drew uh, Law hadn't shown up in her life. And turned the movie into a porno? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Kate's going for a swim. Um, she's perusing Cameron's giant wall of DVDs. So many Sony movies. The first two I saw were Geely, were Geely <laughs> and Identity. And then Identity, I saw Enigma. Nice. I saw Enigma, which I believe Kate Winslet's also in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so someone calls from the front gate. She has to figure out how to open it. And of course, it's, it's Miles, played by Jack Black, with Shannon Sossman is playing Maggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get their relationship dynamic because she's he's really bummed that she's not listening to like the Ennio Morricone. That, that you know like, what? Uh, you know what? Uh, Jack Black, come on. Blasting a score in your convertible and insisting that your girlfriend like listen to the music. Just just chill the fuck out. Yeah. I mean. Also. It's it's uh it's an early 2000s Shannon Sossaman. Like. I don't know. What's your point? It's not, it's, too, it's not bad. Too hot? It's not, is that what your not, point is? Not, not bad, Jack Black. Not bad for you. He's doing all right. I just, I feel like it's always a mistake if uh, you're going to try to like build your relationship around like, I hope you enjoy the things that I like. Like, solely, yeah. yeah. Well, just also because it, I think he kind of comes off like he feels like he needs to culture her, which she doesn't need a teacher, man. 
She was a knight's tale. Um, so Miles is there because he works with Ed Burns. He wants to pick up some things like his laptop. And then he's immediately just like really close to her, picking like an eyelash out of her eye or something like that. The fuck Santa is Anna. this? Like, can you imagine? I don't know. I mean, I guess they're both awkward people, so whatever. Yeah, but yeah, just, just seeing anyone that close right now seems very weird. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the only person I would let touch my eyeball in this movie is maybe Jude Law. Because mm. I feel like he's got delicate hands. Um, but I, I also think Miles is a good enough guy that I just don't believe that he's friends with Ed Burns' character. Well, he says he's a fellow film composer. So I don't I don't think he's doing I, I think he can smell the sleeves on that guy. I don't know. I mean sometimes you have friends who have or sleeves bags. Also, do, I don't know. What's how many film composers? I mean, the composers have receptions, I guess. So whatever, whatever. Um, I have a lot of questions about these movies, and they might be dumb questions. But uh, yeah, the Santa Ana winds are treated almost like a fucking ghost, farting their way through these people's lives. Which I want to say, I read they were just like a really windy take, so they just included all this into the movie. Sure, <laughs> like like this was not an original part of the script. You get a brief shot of Eli Wallach there, kind of farting on by with his uh, nurse on a walker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the, the winds keep blowing and, you know, according to legend, anything could happen when they're blowing, um, which I think is the craziest. What a legend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they say anything can happen when the wind blows. Wow. Wow. Especially in a town like mm-hmm. LA. So she goes to bed cause it's daylight out, but it's like 1am London time for her. So she hits a button and there's these massive blackout currents that lower and, and she's thrilled, which nice way to go, Cameron. Way to go. I've been debating like, like doing more smart home stuff. You can get these now, yeah. you know, these kind of shades. They're not too expensive. Are you going to get like the Matt Lauer door thing where you can just like <laughs> automatically shut and lock the door from a button? It, it would be handy not to lock somebody in, but just to um, <laughs> just to like, shit, did I lock my door? Just like tap a button on your phone or something. Mm-hmm. And then someone could hack it and mm-hmm. really fuck with you. Yeah. Nice. Like the net. Is that what happens in the net? <laughs> well, not exactly now. You've seen the net, say, haven't you? I have not seen. The Are net. you fucking kidding? Well, that's the next one movie we're doing. <laughs> that is a. It's gonna hurt. A, a cautionary tale: the dangers of the internet. That Sandra Bullock is it a, taught us all valuable it, lessons. Is it a dial-up world? By the way, speaking of Sandra Bullock, would she not have been a better choice for Amanda in this movie? I think that'd be interesting. I feel like I buy her as a little bit more of like a little bit of Movie a trailer like she's yeah. an editor she's kind of weird she's maybe somewhat introverted with all her her media um yeah i don't know i just cameron diaz i just i don't buy what she's selling i mean i don't know i mean the movie though doesn't do the work of making her a person of contrast too like you're right she seems a little too glamorous she seems like cameron diaz is what she seems like so it's like a part of it. me thinks like, well, if she's like the boss of the advertising company that does trailers, that's one thing. But like the way they make it imply that she gets in there and like cuts the shit up too. Like, that's cool. I mean, she can be the quirky. It would seem to be a three person. person. It would seem to be a three person company where she's just like the main talent and has two assistants kind of thing. Yeah. Which may or may not be operating out of her home. Yeah. Because Catherine Hahn is just suddenly in her home. Because well, uh, what's his face? Uh, Ed Byrne says at one point that she like you got like special equipment to like cut from home or something like that. So to me then too, his complaints about her working too much are lessened by the fact that she's at home. Yeah. She's just working from home, man. I mean, the new economy. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so meanwhile, Cameron's laying in bed trying to sleep. There's a knocking at the door. It's drunk Jude Law. He's Iris's brother. He's drunk. He needs a piss. He's surprised to see her there and not Iris. Um, she is instantly ready to climb him like a tree. So this plant is, him deep inside of her. This is my number three moment. I don't know if it's on your list. Just the low-key horniness throughout this scene. You can definitely, it's definitely palpable. Um, I like how she immediately like, like tries to like fix her sweats because she's got like her socks pulled up over her sweats and whatnot. And she's like kind of a mess and she tries to tidy up real quick while he's not looking. Well, he needs to go to the loo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a short trip too, which I thought was funny. Like you can hear him. If you can hear him talking from inside the toilet room, the bathroom, like you could definitely hear that. I was, I was well. actually listening for that on the soundtrack. I was like, we're yeah. just going to hear and take just like a legendary piss here, but well, like we didn't hear it. I feel like I would, I would, the movie's already too long, mm-hmm. quite frankly, but like I would, I would 100% be okay if an extra minute that's Just basically the, the Tom Hanks piss, yeah. the Tom Hanks piss from League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. And it may be him being like, because uh. <laughs> <laughs> theoretically, I mean, he should be he, unleashing one of those right now, right? He's well, honestly, we've seen how far away the pub is mm-hmm. from this cottage. It's nothing but nature, man. Just piss off. He's still a young man. His his prostate is loose. He's gonna let her rip. <laughs> but I mean, just pissing that snow. It's funny when you piss in snow. Mm-hmm. Write your um, name. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're drunk. Anyway, so he's surprised that Iris is in Los Angeles because she never goes anywhere. I guess Iris. I was really thrown. I missed this line initially. I guess Iris did try to call him the day before, but he didn't answer. Because mm. I was just like, you didn't even know your sister was gone. Um. So he says that whenever he gets pissed at the local pub, his sister usually puts him up. Um, and so Cameron's just like, well, I've been here for six hours. I'm not loving it. I'm like getting on the, the the plane the next day at noon. So he's like, cool, let's have some brandy. What would she do if she got on the plane? Is she just going to kick Kate Winslet out of the house? Yeah, I really wonder. She's like, I it really didn't work for me, so get the fuck out. I don't understand the details of this website. I really I mean, she absolutely seems rich enough to just go put herself up at like the uh, Chateau Mormont or something for a couple of days. It seems to. weird though when like this is pre uh, Airbnb. It's like someone else I mean, is in your home. Maybe she'd just like go to like like Cabo or whatever she's looking at first. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't. Also, I don't think money's an issue here. Also, this movie posits a world in which you would not only fly across the world to stay in a stranger's home, you will spend most of your time watching their DVDs. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> not what, even what their DVDs. You yeah, you're gonna go to Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um. So at one point, I don't, I don't know if Jude is like negging her when she goes to get the brandy. He's just like, I forgot your name. I don't know if that's a neg. I don't know. He's um, drunk. I mean, he doesn't come off as totally drunk to me. Either that or he's a damn charming drunk man. I mean, I guess the, you know, we get the reveal later, but it seems like his, his thing is that he's, when he doesn't have the girls, he's out to, uh, to get a wet while he can. Mm-hmm. Kind of a hit it and quit it situation because he doesn't want to commit to anything. I have some questions about that later too. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's going to, you know, get him some bedding. She's telling him how she broke up with someone, didn't want to feel alone, but here she is feeling alone. He is making intense fuck eyes at her the whole time. I think what, he kisses her. why I like this is because, like I said, it's, it's a low key horniness. It's not like it's not that low key. It, it's high key horniness. Maybe it's high key. I don't know. It just it feels very casual and like, I don't know, like it's comfortable, high key. Comfortable. Yeah. It's, it's like, hey, we're both kind of horny and maybe it's going to go here, but this doesn't need to be a big thing, you know? Like, we're just we're, we're just both being kind of chill. And it's uh, a good I'm going to kiss you. And then she's like, hmm, do you think you could, uh, do you mind trying that again? 
it's a good feeling when it's like you're hot, I'm hot, there's vibes, let's slam. But yeah. it's not slam. It's more like, hey, let's just like go cuddle fuck, you know? Let's let's yeah, let's 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 jazz it up, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so she's like, it's it's weird for her kissing a total stranger. So she keeps doing to make so it less weird. Kiss he her kisses, eye. He kisses her eyelids. Yeah. And then they're flat out making out. Mm-hmm. Uh and then it's 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 uh it's a porno. I mean this this is like it's a romantic comedy porno. I mean, she's this close to being like, like, what are you doing, stepbrother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Cameron's like, like, let's fuck. It's you know, it's exciting. He's good looking. They'll never see each other again. And she's like, that's a point of vacation, right? You're supposed to vacate your life. And she's just like, oh, BT Dubs. My ex pointed that I'm flat out bad at sex. Also, I don't like foreplay, and he's just like right on. <laughs> She's like, I mean, how bad could I be? She says, and you know, he's like, asked about foreplay. She's like, overrated, significantly overrated. He's into that so much. Girl, are you exhausted? Because you've been running through my dreams all day. I feel like that's a weird red flag, though. What? That she doesn't Not like being foreplay? foreplay? Yeah. I, well, I think the like guy or the girl. Her, I feel like this makes her a bad role model to women. Okay. I. I don't know I, if I would go that far. Everyone has I their own feel, proclivities. I don't think you need to kink shame anyone for not being into foreplay. I feel like I feel like I don't know because you know I, I think foreplay is an important aspect to to women's pleasure. It should be. It lets them let them know that their pleasure is important. I'm not going to go as far as should be. I'll just say everyone has their own desires, and and you should check and see what your partner's desires are. Yes, you should, and you should be very open to experimenting. And 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 later we'll discuss which characters, uh, you know, you'd ask later or something. Um, so the next morning, she's trying to figure out the coffee maker. Um, the problem being, I guess, that it's not plugged in. Yeah. So he comes down and has to, you know, wear glasses because he lost contacts. Because he's just like, how can I get more handsome? Oh, I'll put these glasses on. So this is like my specs. this is my runner-up make one change for this movie is uh, I feel like he should just wear glasses through the whole movie. He almost needs to like tone down his like Jude Lawness a little. Do you want him to Clark Hannett? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So then he could take them off at a certain point, you know. Oh shit. Too sexy. Mm-hmm. Too I mean, it's like he like does that thing where like he like like bites on them a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's very he's very charming in this movie. Because you just got to let him, hey, this guy's a book editor. Can't you tell? He, he can wear glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're not even like the, uh, I don't know, like they're they're kind of like flocky wireframe, you know, like they're not like sexy glasses. No, they're sexy glasses. Oh, and on him they are, but. They're very sexy glasses. These are sexy glasses. Okay. There are, there are wrong glasses. I don't think people get this, but there are. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me, person who's never worn glasses, to the person who had to wear glasses. You never had to wear glasses? No, I I do wear, or I used to wear glasses. Okay, you're saying I've never worn glasses? Do you wear glasses? I've never seen you wear glasses. You've never seen me wear glasses? Do you wear glasses? Maybe I didn't notice. This is a weird bit. (laughs) This is just just the, this is the weirdest, shittiest bit Mm -hmm. of all of your bits. Um, No bits podcast. <laughs> I have a cat on the table. You you talk and uh, try to get yourself back in my good grace when oh, I deal with this. Oh, okay. Did you smack your cat? No, I'm that wasn't my hands. Nice. Okay, I'm clapping my hands. Okay. My cat knocked over a lamp yesterday. I'm very sensitive to what damage really? he can do if it's explosion. Yeah, Gee. he's a wild. He's a he's a wild, beautiful. He's trying to tell you something. Yeah, that he's a clumsy as fuck cat. That's what he's trying to tell me. Yeah. He's got too much energy. So anyways, uh, he points out that her ex-boyfriend is wrong, BT Dubs. She's actually great at sex. 
Um, I feel like this, I feel like he would love foreplay too. Just going back to that. Okay. You're telling me that you're telling me that Jude Law is not a tongue man in this movie. Are you kidding me? I think he's, he seems to give off a vibe of being very experienced. So one could assume. I yeah. feel like he's spending time with the nipples. I feel like Jude Law is doing all of it. Okay. He's on the tour. Mm-hmm. Okay. I need to take care of this caliber. Right okay. You're just saying he's completely eating ass is what you're saying. Anyways, the next morning, it's a little awkward, but like she's trying not to be awkward about it. She's just like, Hey, it's, you know, not a big deal, but I think he's, Maybe wants it to be a little bit of a deal. I think he, he would like to see her again. And she's just like, no, it's fine. You know, hit the bricks. Um, it's a fun little conversation between the two of them as they kind of feel each other out. And he's just like, wow, total honesty. Not used to that. Uh, he's trying to make, he's like really bending over backwards to make sure that she's okay. Mm-hmm. That everything's cool. You know, good, good, good on him. I didn't know what this movie was at this point. So when he says something to her, like, I tend to hurt women just by being myself. I was just like red flag. <laughs> if I could underline this in my notes app, I would. Um, and she's like, oh, no worries. I'm not going to fall in love with you. Um, and then he gets a phone call from another woman, it seems. Why do both of his young daughters have their own cell phone? It is a bit weird. Yeah. Especially because his daughters are like, what, five? Like, it's not like they're 13 or, yeah. you know, like where they might you know, conceivably have their own phone. I mean, this movie is definitely a, like, don't look too closely at the details, mm-hmm. even though Nancy Myers is a details-oriented director. Um, I mean, the concept is sort of ridiculous if you stop to think about it. Like, the idea that you just let somebody else into your home, you know, with, yeah. like, all your shit lying around, and then you just go through it's your stuff. Movie, yeah. 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 So he says he never calls girls back after dates, even though she's given him a pass here. So, like you said. Um, also, he's like, you know, I'm having dinner with some friends at the pub. I'd like to see you again. She's lovely, and then he bounces. Um, meanwhile, she's at TSA. Going, the guy's going through her bag at Heathrow. She fugues out with trailer guy in her head, like, Amanda wasn't looking for love. And then she imagines the scenario of Jude Law. So she's going to go back. Um, meanwhile, Kate Winslet's rocking out to Jet here. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then Jasper calls. Fucking Jasper. Yeah, Is it he's okay working that I'm on a- you? He's like working on a novel or something. Oh, and he's going to send her some pages to look over. What a fucking dick. Also, he when we see that FedEx package, he sent her like 10 pages. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> also, you don't have email. You have to FedEx the papers. Seriously, Come on. Seriously. <laughs> what is she going to do? Lay them all out on the floor and then rearrange the pages mm-hmm. like uh, Joe March. <laughs> so... Uh, He's fucking up her head, you know. Um, she starts drinking in this moment, like maybe she matters to him. And he starts talking to his fiance on the other end of the, and she's like melting into the abyss. Like I expected her to go crawl into Cameron Diaz's oven at one point here. Well, she's just closing the shades again. Then we get what I honestly think is the weirdest sequence because the 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 non Hans Zimmer score, like when they use actual music, is very weird. I found like the, the score in this movie as well to be very strange. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people, other people love it. Um, it's definitely a, an odd choice just seeing the kind of movies that I, I'm familiar with Hans Zimmer doing, that mm-hmm. he's doing like a romantic comedy. But Fru-Fru's Let Go starts playing as like Jula walks into the pub, like scanning around looking for Cameron Diaz. He sees his friends he's meeting. He goes to surprise them. And then some people clear and like he sees Cameron at another table waving at him. 
And it's like, it's this weird dream-like, you know, Garden State-esque vibe. Well, because we kind of skipped over. We saw her at the airport looking regretful. And then, oh, now she's here at the pub and they're waving. And the next time we get to them, it's like the next morning again type of situation. Like she got really drunk. So we've kind of yada yada past some stuff. I mentioned the bisque. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet she, apparently she was a terror. Like she was a drunken terror. Mm-hmm. She's super embarrassed, which... I mean, okay, so like you're, you're, you, you left your bra downstairs. It's fine. This is technically your home right now. You're, you're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you left your bra at the pub. Um, in LA, Kate's that. going for, yeah, that she, how many bras does she have on? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> back in LA, we're actually not to that scene in the morning yet. Uh, we no. got Iris meeting uh, Eli Wallach's Arthur character here, an old man who's a little bit lost because uh, they tore some houses down in his neighborhood. He doesn't really recognize them anymore. Well, because it's very worse because at first he's just like, do you know where I live? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, that makes one of us. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's worrisome. Um, so he's lived in this massive mansion for 47 years. He asks where she's from in England. She says Surrey. And he's like, he knows that Cary Grant was from Surrey. And that's what Cary Grant told him once, which actually is not true. Cary Grant was from Bristol because I'm a nerd and I knew that. You mean you read uh, the MDB trivia? No, I actually knew that before oh. I read the MDB trivia because oh, wow. I'm a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know a lot of things about Archibald. Um, so he says it's a meat cute. He has to explain to her what a meat cute is. Um, so he's very meta in a way. I mean, there's a lot of like Hollywood stuff in here and a, a romantic comedy. I think the real example he's giving is like from a Gary Cooper movie. It's about like uh, pajama bottoms and tops, whatever. Um, he tells her he's a writer in the film business. Uh, she uh, helps him with his keys because he's like terrible at unlocking his own door. So inside the house, we see his office, all kinds of memorabilia, including an Oscar. Um, she says that um, he's pitifully alone, invites him out to dinner if he's not too busy. And he's like, busy? Honey, I haven't been busy since 1978. I kind of wish they would do more here with not only how miserable he is or isn't, or like, especially I think what the, the element that you're supposed to buy into is the fear that no one cares about him or that his life is unnoticed or meaningless. I mean, I guess it's, it's there's so much of him already that like you're barely getting miles that I feel like how much more can they do? Like we just have like a whole scene of them at dinner talking about like his first job as a Western union messenger and how he works for Louis Mayer. And, you know, it's like you can only have so much of that in a rom-com where she's like not even with her dude. I bet he, I bet he's pretty mankful that he had that, uh, mm-hmm. that job. Um, but I mean, I think, I know what the moment is supposed to be when he opens the doors to the WGA event, but I feel like you could really make that moment have even more impact if he's afraid that no one would show up. I just feel like if you're making that movie, there's no Amanda and Graham part of the story. Like to to fully invest in that. It's just about Iris and Miles and this guy. No, maybe it should be two movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I, I connected much more with Iris and Miles in, in a weird way. Um. Yeah, so I mean, it's a lot of just like, you know, she's like, was Hollywood really that great back then? He's like, no, it was better. It's like, okay, cool. Um, I'm not sure Harvey Weinstein would agree. I, mean, I just wish they had been more of, or did more of his place in the film industry too. You know, like, like I don't know. Just, we get like the thing where he just, he added the kid. So here's looking at you, kid. And it's like, okay. Um. So she reveals that she went on this like cockamamie vacation to get away from her ex, just got engaged. And Eli Wallach, like he he knows that Jasper was a schmuck because he let her go. 
and he starts i don't know like he's very invested in rom-coms here because he's just like there's leading ladies and there's best friends and you're clearly a leading lady asking asking acting like a best friend that she's like wow even my fucking therapist can't make that connection which okay meanwhile um, yeah the brutal hangover scandalized that her, she left her bra out uh just on the you know kitchen table there or whatever uh, we find out that she got smashed last night. They uh, did not have sex, although they did sleep together, I guess, or in the same bed or whatever. It's fine. And she's thrilled that uh, they didn't have sex or something. And it's just like, well, you know, one doesn't have sex with women who are unconscious. <laughs> Call me old fashioned. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I hate to say it, but that's that's it's not a bad thing for a guy to Perhaps affirm that. Perhaps not so old fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he gets a call from someone named Olivia this time and steps outside to take the call. And so she's watching. Also, she we find that she has this this habit, which I think is a pretty normal habit of like looking at the caller ID. Um, I don't know. It's not it's You're not I don't you think do it's that. Like, I'm saying it's it's uh I don't know, a, a, an unplanned thing that I do. Okay. I, I tend to notice things. It's not like I'm opening up people's phones and going through them myself. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like I will pick up a phone and it's right there on the screen. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so she assumes that he's always just playing the field as he's literally out in the, on the field talking to whoever on the phone. Um, he comes back in and s- instead suggests that they go into town, get to lunch, get to know each other. And he, she's like, really? Why? And he's like, because I'm running out of reasons why we shouldn't. Aren't you? And she's like, okay. So they drive into town. They're making smiley faces at each other. They go to this like chateau. Yeah, whatever this weird place is where they just like hang out there all day. It's like all this kind of like yards and architecture that they're enjoying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's this is last year at Marion Bad almost. Um, so she grills him up about being a book editor, and he points out that she's interrogating him on this first date. Um, his family's all writers. His mother's currently a very important editor at Random House. Um, she owns a company that does movie advertising. Uh, points out that she doesn't tell anyone that she owns the company because guys are intimidated by it. Uh, she's also an only child. Her parents broke up when she was 15. She never saw it coming. And so, um, she cried herself to sleep that night, decided to toughen up, which is why she hasn't cried ever since. And they used to call themselves the three musketeers, her and her mother yeah. and father. Yeah. And Jude Law was like, that's shocking. I am going to make you cry. <laughs> or, but he doesn't. Um, he says he cries all the time more than any woman you've ever met. He's a major weeper. Uh, it just reminded me, I want to put another moment on my top moments that I didn't have later. Anyway, Go um, Oh, it's, it's later. Okay. I just remembered I, I should have put it on my list. Um, so we get a montage of the two just like on the grounds of this fancy estate with some like light smooches. I I think this is all supposed to be very cute. Uh, again, I'm not that connected to this storyline, but I get to the, trying to do the work. I don't know. To me, this romance works better for me than uh, Iris and Miles. I know that's okay. controversial. And just yeah. Halo parachuting in with my hot take there. I mean, you'll probably be get shot down before your feet ever touch the ground with the parachute, but maybe you deserve I that. Just like Tom Cruise and Fallout, you know, I just got to wait till I'm below 3,000 feet to pull my chute. What can I say? It's not like I've looked at your actual face any time in the last eight years mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah, so he drops her off. She doesn't want to come in because like uh, she doesn't want him to come in because she's leaving in nine days. Doesn't want anything complicated. She says sex makes everything complicated, even when you don't have it. But not having it makes things complicated. So he's like, so let's fuck. <laughs> that really feels like a like Nancy Myers speaking directly there. That line. Yeah, uh, he promises to not drunkenly 
bang on her door anymore and she says that they'll figure out something and see each other soon so. yeah she's she's not looking to just bring him inside and shag uh, but she's you know maybe we'll see you around and mm-hmm. it's kind of a happy meeting but uh when we see him next we'll we're going to assume that oh he's just a fuck boy but we'll be wrong about that yes we will i mean that's essentially the biggest development in their storyline mm-hmm. right yeah is that jude law is actually not the fuck boy we think I mean, he, he is he is but not in the way we thought he is i guess yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Miles uh, finally gets a scene with uh, Iris back here. Hundred or hour and twelve minutes in the movie. His second I mean, he's in like her. twenty minutes of this whole movie, yeah. right? Yeah, he's barely in it. But uh, he shows up at her place. Uh, he's the, the FedEx package is there. He like gives it to her. He's there to like get like the, the dude's laptop or whatever. But she's got all the old dudes over here for a Hanukkah party. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack Black joins them. Um, you know, Elo Alex like talking about his uh his his dead wife that you know he wasn't a ladies man he just he married his his girl early to get her off the market. Uh, Jack Black mentions that he's dating Shannon Sossman, who's an actress. She's on location doing an indie in uh, New Mexico for ten days. Um, and there's something on Elo Alex's face as he's like looking at Kate, looking at uh, Jack Black, and he's just like, I am setting these two mm-hmm. up. And that doesn't really come up to anything. Well, I mean, I feel like Jack Black is he's got that uh that talent of i can be super charming and like have fun with a bunch of old people and like win them over you know he's he's gonna be outgoing with them and not just kind of like closed off and and only interested in young people no i mean jack black's strength is that he plays every line like literally every line he's ever delivered is slightly bemused and perhaps a little bit arch Mm -hmm. Um, fist bumps with the old dude yeah yeah the old folks retire for the night they're gonna go back to their bedpans which was gross um I, I i literally wrote yuck in my notes um so after they're gone they talk about arthur abbott who's the last of the great hollywood writers he supposedly added kid here's looking at you kid from casablanca jack black gives her a kiss on the cheek twice and then leaves um maybe they'll see a movie at some point oh she's been watching a, a list of movies that arthur you know gave her and and kate genuinely seems if not smitten then like heavily charmed every time jack black leaves they all just, I don't know. I, I i don't get heat, I guess, from these two. No, not heat, but it's cute. I guess. It's cute. Um, and again, those goddamn Santa Ana winds are just terrorizing mm-hmm. the people. I kind of wanted this to like be like this like surreal aside that like every time they refer to the winds, like they're getting worse. Like cars are being flipped over or whatever. I don't know, man. This, this Isn't there like a, a Sandra Bullock movie. movie, like Forces of Nature, where like her moods control the weather or something like that? Is that what's going on? Though? I'm not exactly sure. A, I saw a lot of like, you know, first looks before movies start about that movie. I've never seen them. Is that the a movie Ben itself. Affleck movie? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, back in the cottage, Cameron Diaz takes a bath and the bathtub does not look comfortable. It looks very small. It's, it's like high though. It's like a, a very high lift bathtub. Very deep. Mm. Yeah. That mm. is Ben Affleck in that movie. And more attorney shouts to more attorney. And, yeah? yeah, yeah, I'm a big more attorney fan. Lisa Miller, news radio, okay, from the news radio, mm-hmm. okay. And she went on to like ER after that. She was on ER for a long time, yeah. That's and then she went on to nothing after that. Uh, and she made a like a modern version of uh, Hank Macbeth with her husband called like Macbeth oh. or something like that, or, or no, it, was, it had a different name, something PA, yeah, something PA. It was originally right? called Macbeth. So I think they had to change it. Yeah, it's like it takes place in Pennsylvania. Okay, mm-hmm. it was like Scotland, um, PA, or something like that. Scotland, yeah. PA. That's right. Yeah, that was that was a while ago though. That was, <laughs> that was 
Okay, that's that's an indie from like the 90s. Um, so in the bathtub, it's not comfortable. She's giving herself shit for saying she can't handle complicated. Trailer voice guy is like trolling her again with a voiceover. Um, so she gets Jude Law's address, goes over to his place. So do you think she buys this dress or she packed this dress? Whatever she's wearing here. Uh, well, she, she has a big coat on first, but she takes it off later. At first, I thought she was going to wear the dress that she found in the mm-hmm. closet because she like she makes a note of the nice dress that Kate Winslet has in her closet but she never wears mm-hmm. that as far as I recall um, I assume she packed it she's a very fashionable woman she did ask are there any men in your town and the answer was no that doesn't necessarily mean she doesn't want to look good but I mean for a cottage or she's just going to stay in the cottage the whole time some okay. women like to dress fashionable it's not for the dude good for her mm-hmm. um, she's pouring you know um she's thinking about him and she wanted to see him but it's clear that he's not alone so she tries that cool like like him having another woman over of course because she didn't she didn't know and he's allowed well this is like so, you're just getting all this energy of like his his shirt's a little undone and there's like some noise inside and it's like oh man he's got another chick inside this is so awkward and and then the the kind of the big twist of the movie is like oh the the woman inside it's actually two of them they're like his five-year-old daughters i don't think they're both five well, I mean, one is two years older than the other sure Somewhere and, in that age range. So this is Sophie and Olivia. Mm-hmm. Um, these, you know, these kids are adorable. Um, she realizes the phone calls are from his daughters. And she comes inside, sees he also has a massive house. So the little girl reminds him to like take her coat. So he's taking the coat. And Cameron Diaz, as, as they're doing that, this is like, this should be on my moments. Where he's just like, are you married? Tell me quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, no. And she, she's like, oh, so you're, and she spells out divorce. And he's like, actually, W-I-D-O-W-E-D. Sploosh. Two years now. Whatever yeah. I'd like to fuck. Uh, this is my number so, seven moment is just this reveal here. It's a pretty good reveal. You know, I, I didn't know anything about this movie, so I didn't see it coming. Um, mm-hmm. it's an, it, it really changes up your whole idea, idea of who this guy is. And it's like, okay, now he, he he's recontextualized now. And it's like even hotter than he was before because he's like a good dad, too. Sure. Uh, because my notes are chronological as I'm watching the movie that I didn't know anything about. So I wrote immediately in all caps, who the fuck is watching his kids when he's getting drunk at the pub and, and raw dog and complete strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have hot chocolate. He does my number seven moment, Mr. Napkin head. Okay. Yeah. So you can't say I'm not totally invested in this storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, also, at this point, in my notes I wrote, I presume we just rented these two girls to further seduce Cameron Diaz. That would be a move, man. I clearly was still uh, holding on to certain things at this point of the movie. That just makes me think of uh, a movie we need to do at some point. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Zero Effect. At one point where it's like Ben Stiller is just like pushing a girl on a swing in a park uh, as he's like meeting with somebody. And it's like, mm. this is a rental or something like that. It's like, it's not his kid. <laughs> nice. Um, so the girls want to show Cameron their tent, which is in their room, and Juice like, no, 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 Amanda would not crawl into your tent, just like he crawled into Amanda's tent. Hey yo, um, so in the room they they legitimately have a massive tent. I mean, it's not bad. It's it's a nice tent. I mean, when you're like a, a widow or dad, and you've got two girls, and they want a tent, I feel like you're like, sure, you can have a tent. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they're these 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 girls when they enter their teen years, they are going to ruin him. Mm-hmm. Um. So like they all get in the tent, laying it together. He's like holding Cameron's hand. The one daughter's telling Amanda that she smells nice. Um, so after the kids go to bed, like uh, Amanda's like looking at his excessive amounts of books. You know, he says that um, one of his daughters is a protector, and the other's going to be a ball buster. Well, all which, all his reticence makes sense here. Obviously, if he's got two daughters, 
this isn't something you'd want to bring up immediately, uh, both to not scare the other person off and because you may not be totally comfortable introducing your daughters to someone right away. You know? This is my big issue is, is more so the second one. Mm-hmm. I, they're definitely portraying that he's like already fallen for her in the way that people only do in movies to the point where he's just like throwing caution to the wind. But yeah, I don't think he should be introducing this stranger to his children. Just well, he yet. wasn't planning to, she came over. So I'm not going to put that on. True. Him. Well, but I mean, he clearly made a choice when he swung that door a little wider. I don't you know what think I mean? he could have. I don't know. I mean, I feel like he, she kind of forced his hand there. E- either, either he's just like, I'm going to try this out and see how it works. Or he's just flat out sticking it to her and being like, I'm not a British fuck boy. Also, it, when they're in the tent, uh, he mentions, he calls themselves the three musketeers, him and his two daughters there, which almost uh, gets a tear to flow. I feel like from Cameron Diaz there. I think that, that hits, that hits deep. Hmm. So he's going on the whole thing with her, you know, out of the kids going to bed that he's like a working single dad. It's all consuming. He he kind of likes when the kids are at grandparents because he gives them a break. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of resentment packed in there too. I mean, the element that I kind of wish the movie touched on more was not that he's like down at the pub fucking whenever he gets a chance, but like, like I could see very well that he's just at the pub just feeling miserable because it's like his wife is dead or whatever. Granted, he can't still be hung up on his dead wife if he's also going to be in a relationship I mean, with Cameron. Maybe he's trying to be miserable, but he looks like Jude Law. And so he just, you know, <laughs> happens to make everyone, eye contact with someone while trying to be miserable. And the next thing you know, he's everyone knows that grief is harder when you're hot. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just Jude Law at the pub doing hot girl shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, he's just worried how another person will fit in the mix when they ha- that they have now. Um, also, the long distance thing might be a little tough too, buddy. But anyway, so she says she'd get it. She gets it. She's leaving in a week. He says, you know, he thought it'd be hard to introduce them to someone they never see again. So you know, again, why didn't he invite her in? He sews and he has uh, a cow. Yeah, um, he he's they're way past complicated. He's like, you're right. I'm a book editor in London, and you're a beautiful trailer maker from America. I feel like he could cut a trailer anywhere, personally, but yeah. True. I mean, but you got to keep an eye on that John Krasinski and make sure he's not fucking it up. That's true. So they just kind of eyeball each other. Um, back in America, Kate's doing her morning routine. She um, like knows the mailman. She's saying hi to the gardener. She's it's, just it's, fully fitting in here into this LA life, which uh, I feel like everyone in LA would be like, why are you talking to me? It's an abbreviated version of Belle walking through town and Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. here. <laughs> here goes the mailman delivering my mail. Yeah. Also, Time is going to be very nebulous in her two weeks in LA. You're saying she wants adventure in the Great White somewhere. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. she seemingly um, goes like suit shopping with Arthur on like Christmas Day. Well, we know when Christmas Eve is because she spends it at a blockbuster mm-hmm. with Miles. And then like the next scene Justin is like Hoffman. her shopping for a suit. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's when is Christmas on her side of things? Well, just how long is she? As we're going to get to it, how long is she like training him how to walk again? Like also, a couple hours. What kind of health? What kind of health care does he have? It takes this woman from England to come do that. I mean, it is interesting. This this is called the holiday, the movie, but Christmas kind of comes and goes without note. Yeah, it's there's yeah. no like Christmas morning. You know, there's there's no like gift exchange really that I recall, other than like with her fuckboy, you know, uh, Jasper. Mm. Um, yeah. I guess the holiday is more just the vacation. It's, it's like the, the British. It's, I mean, it's kind of relieving that there's there's even lip service paid to Hanukkah, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's more of a Hanukkah celebration than a Christmas one. 
Yeah. So she sees Arthur. He got the paper. He's complaining that there's nine movies opening that day alone. He remembers a time when nine movies would open in a month. Uh, he remembers a time when there was only nine movies in existence. Wonder what he thinks of the new streaming era. Yeah. Well, he's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like deep. Arthur died like two months after this, uh, the events of this movie. Seriously. And he, and he left honestly, it all to Kate or to Iris. I, I, I mean, who else is he going to leave it to? Cross, you? Yeah. It wouldn't cross your mind to get in that will when you saw that house. Yeah. I mean, that's the fourth house on this list and it's the best of the bunch. Um, she, she proclaims that he's feisty and he says that, you know, while he may have slowed down a little bit, he's like, you have to fight the fight, kid. So she's brought the mail, including a letter from the WGA, which he immediately tosses in the trash. He so has anyways. like this very old man energy when she's like, I think you should do it. And he's just like, no. <laughs> So he's, you know, he's been giving her this like list of movies to watch, which eventually the only one we see her watching is his girl Friday, which she watches with Miles later. But uh, WJ wants to arrange a tribute to him, like a night of Arthur Abbott. He's against it, partially because he's old, but he's mostly it seems to hinge on he doesn't want people to see him walk on stage with a walker. Mm-hmm. So, we, so, so we she get goes the, the montage of uh, them doing some physical therapy, like working out in her pool. You know, to, to to practice walking in a pool and then like practice walking with the walker just like a little bit in front of him, that kind of stuff. I Number one, I feel like this old man's going to break a hip because of her. Mm-hmm. Number two, editing is important because this movie could be cut in a way where it almost feels like she's in a love triangle with Arthur and Miles. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, there are elements that's like, oh, he's just being cute. But it's like in a different context. It could seem like he legitimately thinks how, he, that there's how, something. How much do you want in the will, you know? Anyway, I mean, we're coming up on my uh, my number one moment here is the uh, the call waiting line switching scene here where Iris is calling uh, her brother and also getting a call from Amanda. This is my number five moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a lot of fun when she's uh, going back and forth and she like is she talks like the brother mentions Graham mentions it like oh yeah I met Amanda and then she's like talking to Amanda and she's like oh what's he what's he been up to what'd she say and she's like I'm not sure and it's like okay hold please I can't believe he had sex with my, the woman staying in my house yes yes and it's well, uh it's like uh yeah it's still me actually yeah twice that she does that um and I, I just I like the the um like the two of them like the like the Graham and uh Amanda just asking mm-hmm. you know Kate about the other two. Did, did you uh, ask about me or yeah? What'd you say about me? That kind of stuff. I, I kind of wish there was more scenes like this. It's already like a mm-hmm. two hour and 15 minute movie. Cause it, I think it would be interesting since it's mentioned in the movie. If you have the two storylines where the ladies are the leading ladies of each storyline, but they're also the best friend to the other storyline. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So another person eventually calls. It's Miles. Um, he's going to meet her at a video store when she's picking up her next movie on Arthur's List. So they meet at a blockbuster. He's gotten something from Coffee Bean. Um, doesn't know if she's a big dollop or a little dollop lady when it comes to whipped cream. Um, I mean, he seems... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This aged well. I think Netflix I mean, already existed here, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm pretty sure in 2006, I was uh, on the Netflix train, the, the old DVD swap there. Just getting your DVDs and mm-hmm. ripping them immediately. It's just yeah, I was really into uh, copying them all. Like I, I would make yeah. my own DVD-R copies. I'm not sure why I did it. I'm just like, yeah, I really need like all of, like 24 on DVD. <laughs> You're like, fuck you. Netflix. I have like I have like probably 50 movies in my iTunes library that I ripped from DVDs like 15 years ago, 
and I've still not watched like Cemetery Man. You know, it's like maybe someday. When are you going to watch Twenty Four again? Honestly, I mean, yeah, probably not. I just there's I only have so much time in the day. You know, it, yeah. I enjoyed it at the time. I don't need to watch Twenty Four again. Yeah, I mean, for the shows that people do base their personality on rewatching. <laughs> I mean, stay the fuck away from the guy who rewatches 24 every year or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Miles teases her about doing a workout. I mean, they seem more like they have friends energy. They're they're cute, but... They're cute, yeah. But, yeah. I just don't feel like anyone has chemistry, sadly. Um, he's like, he's showing off that he's really horny for the score of like Chariots, Chariots of Fire. He really likes like the Vangelis score. He's taking her like a tour of like the Driving Miss Daisy score, then the Gone at the Wind score. Dustin I mean, he's Hoffman just really is there randomly. Yeah, because he, he's well. I mean, he, he makes a good point that you know, dun dun, two notes from the in the villain of Jaws is established, and then yeah, so the the Dustin Hoffman thing, and Dustin Hoffman's like, oh, I can't go anywhere. So did you did you read how this this cameo came about? He was just there. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman just he, like saw some people filming, and it's like gonna all go check it out. I and mean, Nancy Myers are friends, mm-hmm. and they're just like boom cameo, wild. Um, though I kind of love it. I don't know. It's 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 the right kind of weird for this movie. Um, so yeah, this is Christmas Eve. They're at the video store on Christmas Eve. Um, like you said, there'll be no mention of Christmas Day or Boxing Day shit. Um, Jack Black is praising Robert De Niro's The Mission, which I've never seen, but like it's always had a very cool poster. You know, I should have put this in my uh, my top moments here when he happens to look outside and sees his girlfriend Maggie, played by Shannon Sossman with some other dude and it's just like ah uh, like his heart's broken he rush, rushes outside and just be like what the fuck because yeah. what can you really say in that moment and kate winslet's just like douche chill yeah so later they're over at kate's he's down in the dumps and he's like why do i always fall for the bad girl something about the line reading there was the pinnacle of of low worthy like inauthentic <laughs> to me <laughs> Um, I mean, it just did not ring true. So she's made tea and he's like, oh, do you have anything stronger? And she also has a glass of vodka. I say I was really wondering, like, is that vodka or water? But yeah, I, I took it. I, vodka, I think it to be vodka. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a joke there if it's water. Or gin, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, could see, so, I could see Kate Winslet throwing back some gin. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um so she she has a whole thing for why because you know, you, you're hoping you're wrong every time she does something that tells you she's no good you ignore it every time you come through she comes through and it surprises you she wins you over and you lose that argument for yourself but she's not for you you know what and these like, two remind me of in this moment here is hmm. uh, Rob from High Fidelity and Lily Taylor and kind of like, just like they were together just to be miserable together kind of like this is the vibe I get for like their theoretical relationship. It's like, oh, we're just like miserable sad sacks together. We should do high fidelity. I guess so at some point, yeah. That, that will be a four-hour podcast. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I'm not sure how much it holds up. I I only watch it in certain moods. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in that mood now. So yeah, let's watch it. Um like it's seriously complete... been like 15 years probably since I watched that movie. No, it's not. I think it is. I haven't watched it. You that and I have watched that. In less than 15 minutes. Okay, if you say so. Grant, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you watch them else because you apparently don't know what my fucking face mm-hmm. looks like. You're still mad about the glasses line, huh? I, I like that I could just... You don't normally wear glasses. Let me put it that way. I normally wear just, glasses for like several just years. whenever I leave the house, mm-hmm. but okay. Um, but I like this, though. I could I could make plans with you and I could send somebody else. Mm-hmm. You won't know. Um, 
So to complete his line or his follow-up to her, her response to her line is he says, exactly on top of there's the old standby. I can't believe that a girl like that would actually be with a guy like me. Yeah. Which I feel like these two almost aren't even characters. They're just speaking to the insecurities that the audience Act. certainly has. Yeah. I mean, that's a real, yeah. uh, speaking of high fidelity and, you know, he's convinced she's cheating on her and eventually she did. Charlie, you bitch. Let's work it out. Are you wearing glasses right now? Yes, I am. Wow, imagine that. <laughs> I only wear them so I can see. <laughs> if you say so. Oh, God. Um, you should get lazy. Rendered speechless. Uh, it won't really work for me, but rendered speechless. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so he mentions that he found out that Shannon Salsman was done in Santa Fe after two days. Been with this dude ever since. Talked to her on the phone that morning. And she was lying about the weather in Santa Fe. He actually says that she looked it up on weather.com. I like the and detail he, of he's imagining her looking it up on weather.com and then like laughing about it with her dude. And then just standing in line at a FedEx to mail a gift to somebody who's lying about being in Santa Fe. Like that's, that's beyond the pale. Yeah. Like having to go to fucking Santa, the, the, the FedEx to mail something on the day before Christmas. And it's all for naught. My only response to that, though, is why are you mailing it the day before Christmas? Was there were you were you busy composing all the other days? Yeah, maybe he didn't. It didn't have to be the day before Christmas. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe maybe he ordered it and it was like taking a long time to get there and he didn't know where to ship it or something. I like Miles. I think he's a sweet guy. Mm. I would also not be shocked if he's like one of those guys who's like, I bought the engagement ring the day after I met her or whatever. Um, so he. He offers to make some Christmas fettuccine. Um, There's a lot of Christmas fettuccine going on here on uh, both sides of the pond. I don't know. Is that is that a thing? Is that a tradition I'm not aware of? Well, and not to be confused or insulting to the people who know Christmas fettuccine as a sexual position. Um, but yes, yeah, she tells him the story of her and Jasper, that she actually does know how he feels. And she understands feeling small and insignificant as humanly possible. Um, she says, so you eventually go somewhere and you meet other people and you'll slowly get parts of yourself back. The worst of your uh, years of your life will fade. It should have been all in my moments because it's a beautiful monologue. Mm. So he hands over the vodka and he's like, well, fuck, you need this more than I do. This is what confused me timeline wise is that like, okay, he's going to go make her some Christmas fettuccine and then cut to Amanda over in Europe or in, in England making some crystal fettuccine of, uh, crystal, uh, Christmas fettuccine of her own. And then the next shot is them... Um, at the uh this like they're like at a Brooks Brothers or something, uh uh Miles and Iris here like fixing Arthur up with the suit. And it's like, what day is this? Is it Christmas mm-hmm. Day? Is it like the day after Christmas? We just yeah, skip over yeah. Christmas. Um also so so as they're gonna drink that champagne and eat that pasta to feel alive, she says, Miles, you really are an incredible, incredibly decent man. And he's like, I know, that's always been my problem. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh, also, they they presumably watch his girl Friday somewhere in this this Christmas. Yeah, Eve. there's a brief shot of uh, them watching it and laughing together. Uh, it's got a trilby yeah. on. Yeah, Miles is trying to talk Arthur into a hat. Uh, Amanda's trying to cry as she walks through uh, the some, moors, some hedgerows. Yeah. <laughs> so Jude Law lays in bed of his sleeping daughters doing some editing. He tries He's to call the, the camera on. and stops himself. Oh, there you do go. you do any editing in bed with your glasses on? You know I do. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know I do. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're a good guy. I, I don't know. You're an incredibly decent guy. I don't know if I tell you that enough. That's always been my problem. 
Yeah. Uh, so at the cottage, yeah, you, you, you know, you're not a bad guy. You're just too romantic for your own good. I like just the the absolute offense you're taking at me not knowing you wore glasses. I I just uh, you were not uh, wearing glasses the last time I saw you. I was indeed. No, you weren't. I was indeed. I don't believe you. I. It's fine. You don't have to look at my face. Mm-hmm. I, I just I know that it's the running joke is that uh, clearly you just don't value my friendship. That's fine. I, I don't fine. like to that's make fine. eye contact. You know, I don't want to be aggressive. And so maybe that's why. Is that an aggressive feature, you think, making normal, decent human eye contact with people? Um, is this, obviously, yes. Okay. All right. I don't want to, you know, neurotypical shame anyone there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So at the cottage... Uh, Cameron's like packing her bag. You know, Jude Law shows up. They start making out. They're clearly going to fuck. This is the last night. I think there's some discussion about it being the last night. Yeah. Oh, right. I think we we might have skipped the um the the scene where Miles is uh, playing like a song that he composed for Arthur. Oh, we're getting to it right now. Yeah. Um, that, that's so, yeah, before the uh, the last night shag. I think. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think Jude shows up, and then it cuts to them. Then, yeah. Yeah, we cut to last night, Shag. Um, he's composing this tune for Arthur. He starts to perform the Superman theme. Um, she's over at his place now. She's made like coffee or tea, whatever. And then he, he gets into like the real tune that sounds like Arthur. That's a little cheeky. Whatever, it works. Um, and then he says he performed something for Iris, you know, if she was a melody. This should be in my top moments, too. This, this scene is He gets the best cute. line in the movie here. I use only the good notes. Yeah. Yeah, this is legitimately cute. Um so she's touched and she he wrote a song for her because you know Jasper wasn't right. Well, Fuck all to, for her. To me, this goes beyond cute. This goes to like, ooh, wow, that landed when he says I use only the good notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's Jack Black. So he starts like singing a little bit of the silly lyrics over. And again, it's just a reminder that Jack Black can pull off what Andy Bernard can never. Um, also, honestly, I don't know why there's not a movie where Jack Black and Zoe Deschanel just aren't sing talking at each other because they could do it. Um, I think she's doing like property bros home renovations now. Really? Like in real she's life? She's like dating that or married maybe to that dude. I don't know. She's with that dude, one of the property brothers. I know this because <sighs> Yahoo tells me because I still go to Yahoo News. I mean, that should be the other podcast we do. It's just you digging up news items from Yahoo, Yahoo News. Yahoo News really wants me to know about Katie Holmes and like the dude she's dating now for some reason. I'm not sure why. Like, did, I click, like, did I click on one of those articles on accident or something? Because God, they give me daily updates. Because it's not Jamie Foxx anymore. No, it's it's like some other dude. I want to say it was like, I you know I don't I don't totally care about like uh, celebrity dating except when I really really do, mm-hmm. and so it's like her and Jamie Foxx like dated like secretly for like six years because I want to say that was that tabloids told me that was part of the deals of the divorce of Tom's that she couldn't go public with anyone for a certain period. I can't of time. believe that that's the case. Can't you though? No, because like, clearly she's public with this other dude. I feel like that was probably more well, but of just no, like they were because eventually she got to the point where she could go public with Jamie Foxx, and then they broke up a little while after, mm-hmm. as if the spark, the hidden spark, was what kept it juicy. Um, supposedly now Tom is dating Haley. Uh, according to Yahoo News, he's actually not. So maybe oh, maybe okay. need to hit Yahoo News up a little more. Apparently, because he's. I mean, I, I kind of want her to weigh Also, in. Gillian Anderson and uh, the crown dude are apparently breaking up. Which crown dude? The dude who makes the crown. Peter Morgan. Oh, the actual... Yeah. Oh. Because hmm. um, I kind of want Kaylee Atwell to, to weigh in on whether or not Tom is actually up all night with the, calling the studios on the phone, <laughs> making sure people get, get some confirmation on that. Dinner on their table. I love the general reaction to that is everyone's like, 
it's kind of a dick move, but also he's not wrong. I I listened to that whole thing and I kept thinking to myself, is this calculated? Is this another weird PR? Yeah, like all the like hired like McQuarrie to like write that speech beforehand. Yeah. Well, I want to get to the speech in a second, but like you know, all those times when like Tom has like a movie premiere coming up, and then we hear this news article about how Tom Cruise just stopped his car and like saved some people from drowning. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. do you remember when we would get like more than one news story about that? Yeah, yeah. But uh, what I love about it is it's that classic argument thing where you're like, okay, okay, <laughs> and then he goes back into the tangent, yelling at them more, and then he's like, okay, and he does it again. I, I love that. Um. I don't know. It's it's kind of shockingly humanizing for Tom Cruise. I'm sure it's entirely calculated to be so. Yeah, but you never saw the video where he went to go see the the Tenant premiere. Or I whatever, saw right? like a picture of it, I think, or something. Yeah, he, he was wearing it's, the wrong kind of mask, by the way, Tom. If you're uh, really concerned about COVID restrictions, you don't want the kind of event. He's so inhuman too, because he's just like, I love movies. <laughs> Such a fucking maniac. When when it eventually comes out, like how many people he's like hunted for sport, I uh, <laughs> it'll almost be satisfying. You know, it won't even be shocking. When it comes out, whatever, uh, whatever, uh, you know, fine suit he's yeah. made out of Shelly Miscavige. And I'll just be like, on the one hand, that's really awful. On the other hand, he did go and make that video about to, how to turn off motion smoothing on your TV. So, you know, <laughs> does the good wash out the bad? Who can say? Oh, I'm so sorry to say I don't give a shit about Maverick. Uh, I mean, I, movies are just like on hold for me mentally right now, but I'll go see it eventually. Hmm. Yeah. Uh. Mm. I like Macquarie, but uh, you're just know. out like, on Miles Teller. Just be honest. Oh, that's right. You just remind me he's in that. Mm-hmm. Well, but the first trailer, which was just like fighter jet porn, I was like, were you, were you a big funny. Top Gun fan? I'm sensing you weren't. Um, fighter jets don't get remember, your dick hard, is what you're saying? No, I had that that young boy mm-hmm. period where for like six months, I was my you know fighter jets got my dick hard mm-hmm. as well in a, in a prepubescent way. I had like. Um, because you know we had an air force base here that had a, a museum and i went i remember one time with my family and i fucking loved it and i got like every free poster that they gave mm-hmm. and i hung them on my walls and then i think like six months later i was like why do i know everything about fighter jets i don't give a shit about fighter jets it was a real it was a real wake-up call mm-hmm. at nine wow. whatever did you did you have a fighter jet parent? i mean of course yeah okay i, I remember i mean it's pretty disgusting but around the time of the gulf war they were just like had these like posters of like every type of plane involved, you know, it's, mm-hmm. so it's like, here's all the, the cool planes uh, that are involved in this war that you're watching on television. They had like scuds posters. Oh, yeah. It was like, I mean, that's, that's too much. I mean, just the A-10 Warthog. What a beast. Uh, yeah. I mean, it slaps. Mm-hmm. It goes it really it kills real good. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. It's just like <laughs> a fucking Gatling gun with wings on. I don't know. I could wax poetic, but I won't. Mm, anyway, yeah, uh, post-coital. Speaking of fucking, post-coital, Jude Law and Cameron Diaz here. Well, they're upset because the sex was so good. Yeah, it's a little too good. And now mm-hmm. they're just like, she's like, well, what's the scenario here? You know, I we try to keep this going, get see each other as much as possible. And then after six months, we hit a wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really walk through it, you know, like he's just like, how often do you come to London? And she's like, uh, never. And she's like, uh, what about New York? And he's like, yeah, I get there rarely. Well, she's really like a, a scenarioist where she's running through the whole thing and like, here's why it, it won't work. And you can tell that he's probably more the kind of guy to just be like, I really like you. So I don't care. We're just going to, you know, 
just mm-hmm. see what happens. Well, I mean, it, it it makes sense considering she's also, I don't know, she's a solutions-oriented person, which makes sense for a person who runs their own company, I feel like. Um, but there's a, there's a great dig she has here where she's, you know, theorizing what it looks like, you know, and she can't get away from work as much and the girls won't be able to bear having him away so much. And she teases him that there'll be like a weepy phone call, mostly on his end <laughs> one night. I love that. Um, and she's just like, well, you know, we'll I just have to preach the time we had because, you know, perhaps the fact that she's leaving eight hours is what made it exciting, which is fair because what got them hot the first night or part of what got them hot the first night was she's like, I have a flight tomorrow at noon. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fuck yeah, let's fuck in my sister's bed. Um, so he's got another scenario for her. He's in love with her. Oh yeah. And he's just going to throw that right at her. I mean, I think he's definitely more, I don't want to say more into it. Cause I think she's, she's like trying, she's preventing herself from being into it in a way. She's you know? hardening her heart yeah. for her own survival. She's yeah, like yeah. kind of, you know, lowering the, the, the shield or raising the shields, I guess you'd say, uh, to protect herself. And instead he's just like, yeah, by the way, I love you, you know, sorry. And then finally, she's just like, uh, stop talking. Let's do it again. Well, and and um, he says he's happy to feel that way because he didn't think he could again, which is, I get what he's going for, that that's sweet, that like he's implying mm-hmm. you make me feel this thing I didn't think I'd be able to feel again. But it also kind of is like, are you sure you're not chasing it just because you're feeling something? I don't know. I like the line um, when she's like, I'm trying to find the right thing to say. And he's like, uh, I think that the obvious response it doesn't immediately come to you. We can just yeah, uh, yeah. But she's just like I definitely wasn't expecting that. I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says I never met a guy who talked as much as me. But for now, you know, could you just be quiet and they kiss and we get more Fru Fru on the soundtrack or Imogen Heap. Is this Fru Fru is Imogen Heap, right? I think so. Yeah. Um. So it's one of the two. Uh, so Kate and Miles are out to eat, getting some sushi, talking about the Lady Eve. And the list has all powerful women on it. Barbara Stanwyck is amazing. I just don't feel like this relationship lasts. He has the accidental boob graze as he's reaching for the you know rice vinegar or whatever that is. Because well, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a relationship. Like if I was watching a show with these two as friends, I could see where like after a season, yeah, yeah. I might see something, mm-hmm. but a lot of these scenes I'm not. So, um, there's a, there's a, he's got the song for Arthur, which is, I don't know. It's kind of weird. The concept he has a song for this guy to go on stage. Um, you know, Arthur wants lyrics for it. So then Maggie slash Shannon Sossman calls, uh, he makes plans to meet her cause she misses him. Um, and Kate's like, oh, Seth, see, she came to her senses. And so he's like, I don't know if I'll be back in time for this WGA thing, but whatever. Um, so back on Amanda's, Kate sits down on the couch in the bedroom to read Jasper's book. And she closes the windows on the Santa Ana winds. And as she's about to read him, Jasper calls because he's like sent some kind of surprise, which is his ghoulish ass right there at the door of a gift. Um, which is him. So she's opening a bottle of wine. She's like pouring wine for them and points out that, that you know, or he points out that she's not even looking at him, um, that he came to see her. Round peg, square hole. Uh, square peg, round hole. Yeah, square, yeah sure. Eventually, it, uh, well, we don't get there just yet because he's like, oh, come here. So we'll, we'll get back to them eventually. She's very confused right now. Meanwhile, we're cutting to uh, Maggie telling um uh, miles here that she's made a mistake she's stupid and impulsive and this is kind of where you're like this is a, the moment in the movie where you're like oh no are these two going to get back with like their shitty exes like what's but going- i mean do you even really care 
I mean, I guess you don't want them to. I mean, shouldn't you? You're the you're the Iris and Miles, uh, you know, standard in this. Uh, I, I definitely responded to them more, but I I just kept thinking, what the fuck is this movie? At times, I I don't know. It's it's very weird. It's a rom com. I, I feel like there's one thing I know about rom coms is that you can be comfortable that the couple's going to work it out and get together in the end. And uh, and well, if they don't, you've made the wrong movie. Absolutely, but I mean, I don't know. Like I. I think you feel it in a rom-com movie and I didn't always feel it in this movie, which is, I, I attribute to part of it just being lack of chemistry. Like uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about it's a wonderful life. Mm. That's the first real, this is why I'm kind of intrigued by like the, the overlapping Christmas movies and rom-com movies. Cause I want to say it's a wonderful life is the first time that I really can remember feeling chemistry because I was all in on shipping Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, like young Donna Reed in that movie. Holy fuck. The scene when uh, her, her rope gets caught on the bush. Just, just all, no, actually, honestly, it's the phone scene. No. When they're, when they're both on uh, uh Sam, the call with Sam Rainwright. Oh shit. There's such heat there. Like they, they're realizing that they're in love with each other while like he haws on the other end of the line. That movie's hot as fuck. Um, and then and then Jimmy Stewart tries to kill himself. I guess suicide is a is a big thing in Christmas rom coms. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's painless. Um, anyways, back in England, uh, June Cameron's still in bed. He's asleep. She's awake. Um, come back to Kate and Jasper like canoodling on the couch. He suggests they sneak off to Venice at some point when they're back in Europe. And she's like, are you actually free to do that? And he's like, darling, I just traveled halfway around the world, haven't I? And she's like, yeah, that's not an answer. And he's like, I wish you would just accept how confused I am about all of this. And she's like, motherfucker, are you still engaged or what? Mm-hmm. He's like, yes. But I mean, she's like, oh, my God, you fucking asshole. I was like, well, where does your what? First of all, what day is it in mm. December? And where does your fiance think you are? Well, he has a line. I don't want to lose you. And it's like, you are getting married, you ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she. uh, uh she, you know, she points out he was right. They are indeed a very square, square peg in a very round hole. She tells him that he never treated her right, not ever. That he broke her heart, treated her like it was her fault. Somehow, this is my um, where did I put it's it? My number two. This is my number one. All right. Um, I really kind of wrestled with my one and two, but uh, yeah, this is my my number one. Um, she says that she was, you know, wasn't too love with too in love with him to be mad at him. Now he's here, like waltzing into her lovely Christmas holiday, saying that he doesn't want to lose her, even though he's getting married. She's thrilled to be over him. He's got, she's got a life to start living and he's not going to be in it. And that's great. Um, and he's just like, what exactly has gone into you? <laughs> Wait, where is his self-esteem coming from? I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> well, what, what kind of bothers me too is that she's, this is basically the same email she sent him on the plane. And I feel like the movie's like, it's like taking this weird valley. And now she's at the other, the exact same height on the other end. To like basically have the same level of self awareness to tell him off. Well, I I don't know because I feel like she sends the email, but then he calls her and is like, "Hey, can you look at these pages?" And just kind of, it's like he's just ignoring the email, and she's like, yeah. "Sure." And so he's like, "Okay, like, yeah, I'm back in." Jasper is crap. I mean, that's that's all there's to it. So later, she's got her black dress on. She goes and picks up Arthur. He tells her that she's a knockout. Um, he's a fan of Hugo Boss. Cuts a nice suit. He got her a corsage. He's like, so he's you know, going to prom. Me. Yeah. yeah. The last time I had a date, this is what we did. 
Uh, he apologizes if it's corny, and she says it's exactly corny is exactly what she's looking for in her life. I mean, this is this is sweet. This is why this is partly why I'm more invested in this LA stuff. Um, so he's ready to get this embarrassment over with. And again, I kind of wish that they had set up more his fear that nobody cared or they were unaware of his contributions. They get to the lobby at this at this theater. And they open the doors, and he's shocked to see there's so many people there to celebrate his life. So she walks him down the aisle and people are shaking his hand and like some employee offers to help him up the steps onto the stage. But Arthur summons up the courage and like does it on his own and he has a heart attack and dies in front of all these people. This is where I would just be like, Arthur, don't get too excited. Half these people here are just a bunch of star fuckers with an angle. They're not here for you. Oh, so it's it's a free event. Yeah. But whatever. It's 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 a touching moment. Um and it could be a much more touching moment. So Miles comes running up late and joins Kate, tells her she looks beautiful, apologizes for being late, says the Maggie thing took a little time, but it's finally over. Well, it's just so like I, this I, like immediate acknowledgement of like, that's right, we both told our exes off, now we can kiss. Yeah. Well, but with no I mean, he has no idea that Jasper's in town. I don't know. <laughs> that's it's very, true, yeah. I mean, it's like the movie is just like, oh, fuck. We're at like an hour and 50 something. Okay. We got to ramp this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, Arthur gives a speech about how so much changes in Tinseltown because that's his entire character. And as Arthur's speaking, Miles asks Iris what she's doing for New Year's Eve. And she kind of casually is just like, well, I'll be back in England by then. So he's just like, oh, I've never been to England or Europe. You know, if I come over there, you want to go out with me on New Year's Eve? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're a couple, kind of. This is, this is a romantic comedy about us. Yeah, let's do that. And they like kiss. <laughs> it's like just like this quick kiss. Like, oh yeah, sure. I guess we're together. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I, I definitely enjoyed the storyline more, like I said. But I, I definitely read more. I definitely wanted more, and I responded to that that I know is not totally on the page. Uh, so the next day in England, that fucking driver is back. Um, he apparently can get to her fucking mm-hmm. house after all. It's loading her bags in the car. She makes her goodbyes of Jude Law. They have no set rules. They're just going to share another kiss and say, be seeing you. And he says, take care of yourself. They're not going to do like the uh, Ethan Hawke, Julie Delp- Delpy thing. Um, so she's driving off. And, Meet up again in six months on a uh, train station or whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, then eight, and then nine years later, like one of them writes a book about the other. Baby. You're well, there we go. She writes, a, yeah. she writes the book and he edits it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Um, in bed of his girl's. Who hated their father at that point? So I guess they're, they're done age. with those. I think uh, they said recently they didn't plan to do another one. Oh, that's a bummer. But, I wish but maybe like that. an after instead of a before series. I don't know what that'd be, but huh, huh. Before midnight is uh, it's wild. It's something. It's because uh, it gets dark in the end. I've only watched each of those movies once, and like I have much affection for them. I don't know. Maybe I should watch them again. It's. I feel like you need to be in a mood for that. I've watched the first one maybe twice. I've watched the second one six or seven times. Wow. Okay. Um, and then I think I watched Before Midnight with you. Yeah, in a theater. And then I watched it again several years later on a date. By the way, we'll never be doing those movies on this podcast because I feel like it's, it's, it's entirely internal, like the way you consume those movies. Yeah. Like what would be the point of talking about them with someone else? Well, I mean... Any kind of, uh, I don't know, personal connection that you have with them would be so predicated on like so many, mm-hmm. I don't know, setting up stories from your life. Yeah. Uh, I, it, half of it abstract. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Before Midnight was, I would not recommend it as a date movie though. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I do remember I watched. The date, um, the date went fine. I watched Before Sunrise and Before Sunset 
back to back. Uh, I started at like three in the morning, so that was good. That was a nice little run there. Started at three in the morning, mm-hmm. so you're like done at like seven in the morning. Yeah. It was, it nice. was an enjoyable time. I think that's how I watched Lost in Translation, which fit because that's a very yeah. I watched movie. Lost in Translation at like four in the morning actually the first time, so that definitely fit. This is why people tune in mm-hmm. to know what time we start movies. That's, yeah, it's important. Yeah. Um. So she's driving off. You know, the driver asks if she had a good holiday. She says yes. Maybe the best one ever. Mm-hmm. And then she starts crying, but they're tears of joy. So she makes the driver turn back around. He's like, well, did you forget something, miss? And she's like, yes. I, I would say they're so, more than just tears of joy. Because I think it's something about it's she's almost mourning what she just had as well, you know, and realizing mm-hmm. how important it was. Oh, yeah. Um, so she doesn't go, he doesn't go fast enough for her liking. So <laughs> she jumps out of the car and starts running on her own in heels. I would just say, she's like, can you turn around? And he's like, sure. I'd be like, oh, you can fucking turn around, huh? And well, it turns out. It just it makes me think of you know, I don't know the stupid moment in Lost that I like when Benjamin Linus is like oh so you do speak English, <laughs> um, so she runs back to the cottage again in heels. I just don't think you're running faster than he can drive. I don't know. She takes like a shortcut across a field. Maybe that's well, the reason here. It's like a windy road or something. The problem is that this is also the day that Jude Law went to work in Parliament when they blew it up, as opposed to working in the World Trade Center when Oof, the planes hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she comes running back to the cottage. Graham is there crying. So this is now my number eight moment. Uh, so he's legitimately crying in this cottage <laughs> because she's gone. Because he he proclaimed that he's a massive weeper. And so she's like, why the fuck would I leave before New Year's Eve? And she's like, you didn't directly, you didn't exactly ask me out, but you did say you loved me. So I'm thinking I got a date, you know, if you'll have me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he says he has the girls on New Year's Eve. Because I guess he's like got shared custody with the grandparents. I mean, I, I assume he usually has the girls, but occasionally he can pawn them off on the grandparents. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I was wondering, like, is this supposed to be like his deceased spouse's grandparents? Uh, whatever. Um, so she said that's perfect and hugs him. Um, so let me cut to New Year's Eve and this very, to me, very weird coda. Um, I mean, it, it, it feels like you have to have this scene. You, you, you do, but because you're like, well, but, well, I'm sure that, like, you know, Iris obviously grants her brother, and you need Iris and Amanda to meet, and then Amanda probably knows Miles, you know, it's like, you know, ex's friend or whatever. So it's like, yeah, they all kind of know each other. So you got to have the the fun moment together. Uh, intellectually, yes, but at the same time, especially since the two women have not shared any actual on-screen time with each other. It just, I'm sure this is very weird. Like, like what is Jude Law's banter with, with Miles like? They have a lot to talk about. They both uh, switched houses and ended up with dudes. They're, they're like, so we're the rebound, huh? Mm -hmm. High five, (laughs) dick bump. Um, Also, I like that this is at Graham's house too, because it's the only house big enough to sustain a six person dinner party or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And he doesn't want to, and you got the daughters too. So, True, 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 true. Because you're gonna you're gonna put the, the kids in bed and then you're gonna do like a key party, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> it's a different kind of movie. Just like to point out again that uh, there is an awful lot of shagging in Graham's sister's bed. <laughs> it's uh, like I Iris. By the show. way, you might want to change your sheets. <laughs> you might want to burn them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they're all there. Reese Franklin's covering you send me. Um, there's some dancing around. There's a lot of dancing around this like coffee table. 
Uh, we see Iris and Amanda together as they hug and like Miles and Amanda clink glasses and Iris and Graham dance. And then, yeah. Pull, anyway. pull away for the credits. Just a fucking conga line around the couch sectional or whatever. It's quite a house um, too. Jasper's house. It, it looks like it has Jasper's 10 house? bedrooms. Or not Jasper's, uh, uh, Graham's house. It looks like it's yeah, 10 I bedrooms. Mean, each, each position change could like happen on another bed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like that's where that's where your mind goes there. <laughs> <laughs> this room is strictly reverse cowgirl i uh i still think back to we were on a, a vacation once we had to stay at your parents house mm-hmm. and for some reason that that one room that they had had like four beds in it like all pushed together it was very weird and i I guess we had a bunch of people coming and staying, mm-hmm. but then uh, our friend Steve stopped in. He just walks in and he's just like, what kind of Greco-Roman fucking are you doing in this room with four different beds? And I was like, yeah, good point. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's time for power. Complaints? Oh yeah, that's right. Complaints. Um, I feel, As mentioned, the Iris miles relationship feels like it just, it's not as developed as Graham and Amanda. And uh, I think Cameron Diaz is miscast. My complaints are lack of tension, lack of chemistry, and this movie is at least a half an hour too long. Yeah. That said, again, I didn't ultimately enjoy the movie. I didn't dislike it. You probably would not look at my cuts. Like, I would cut out Eli Wallach, probably, which I know is sacrilege, but I don't know if you're. In some places, I. Well, so my changes would be this movie should just be about Kate Winslet's character. And like, you know, what if she gets to LA and there's a love triangle between her and like the hot widow Dilf and also the goofy composer guy. A Wilf, one would say. Um, so my make one change, tell me what you think of this casting. Maybe this is just a me thing, but uh, recast Amanda with Kim Dickens. Uh, I feel like Kim Dickens is typically cast as like a much tougher character. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Like I feel, I feel like she's almost. How about uh, Naomi Watts? In the logic of movies, I feel like she's almost too. Um, she'd be too dominating to Jude Law. Okay. How about Naomi Watson? Uh, I mean, so basically, just like straight up, like the Huckabees reunion. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Huckabees. Uh, I mean, this would be. I hate she would it. be. She would be. A great uh, like Amelia Clark if his movies made ten years later, mm-hmm. and you know if he was a ghost. I guess I mostly just want somebody who hasn't been just like viciously parodied by uh, Anna Ferris and Lost in Translation. <laughs> really had a lasting effect on you, just like so much so. Did that, that not? Uh, I mean, I I feel like once you see that kind of uh, you know un uncredited kind of parody of Cameron Diaz there. It's hard to take her the same like in movies. Well, it's like, uh, it's like after that, Cameron just like settled down with good Charlotte and, uh, and left the business and like fucks a car in that one movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really Scott Counselor, movie. Yeah. Mm. With, uh, what's his face? The overrated writer. Who amongst us mm-hmm. hasn't fucked a car. Isn't it a level one street fighter? You, you don't fuck it. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. All right. That's why I never do well that game. All right. Power rankings. Uh, before we do that, I just want to give us a quick rundown of your top moments. Yeah, I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. So number seven was legitimately Mr. Napkinhead. Six was the I need a drink, hard cut to her drinking in the market. 
Five was the call waiting. Four was the engagement of Jasper and Sarah. Uh, three was her emailing Jasper. Two was Arthur walking to the, the WGA event. Um, and one was her telling Jasper to go fuck himself. What was your number two? Uh, so I'll, I'll just give my, my rankings here. Uh, number seven was the reveal of the daughters. Number six was uh, Iris's opening monologue about love. Number five was the gardener shaking his head at Ed Burns. Number four was the uh, the chat session setting up the home switch. Number three was uh, when Amanda and, Gra- and Graham meet cute and the Loki horniness there. Two was Iris finally telling Jasper off. And number one was the call waiting line switch scene. Okay. Okay. All right. Power rankings. I have 10. I have 12. Wow. Okay. Wow. So 12. I cheated on mine or one of mine too. So yeah, hit us with your 12. 12. Jasper. Okay. That's fair. 11. Ed Burns. I don't even know Ed Burns' character's Ooh, name. He I did not make my rankings. Sorry, Ed Burns. There you go. It's your 10. Uh, Jasper. Fuck him. <laughs> what a shit. God. He is. He's garbage. I. I mean, again, like, uh, what's his name is legitimately cheating on her, but I still think Jasper's worse because the, it, it, if, if he, he has to know the damage he's doing, but like the fact that he could possibly not know the damage mm-hmm. he's doing is even more insidious. Oh, she seems like a very nice, lovely, vibrant person who's just being eroded by this stupid bastard. And he's not even that, he's not even that Jude Lawish. Um. Yeah, my number ten is Lindsay Lohan and James Franco. <laughs> well, did we get the name for the movie? I want to say it's called Deception. Nice. Uh, which is so generic. <laughs> number nine, I have uh, Iris's Cottage. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, number nine, I've got Maggie. Yeah, I've got her at eight. She sucked as well. Um. At eight, I've got Jim from The Office, and uh, as to a much lesser extent, but also I have Catherine Hahn as Bristol because <laughs> her name's Bristol. Yeah, I've got them both at seven. Interesting. Okay, at seven, I've got characters that I'm sure you don't have on this okay. list. Jude Law's adorable daughters. I have them at six. This is this is getting creepy now. It's, it's getting weird. Okay, I guarantee you don't have my six, okay. which is Dustin Hoffman. They're actually my number five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I do not have a Dustin Hoffman in my uh, power rankings here. Wow, it's pretty high for Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, I've got Amanda at five. Okay. Uh, see, this is where I feel bad. I've got Jack Black as Miles at five. I mean, I've got him at four, so you can tell where I'm going okay. with this. That's where I have Amanda. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... I honestly feel like Cameron Diaz... I mean, we know she can do like zany comedy... Do we? Um, I mean, I guess there's something about Mary's or what we're thinking of here. The sweetest thing? Did not see it. What is that movie about? What's the cook there? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Either. Okay. Well, <laughs> but it's it's what's his name? It did Cruel Intentions in PLL. I assume it's good. Roger Cumble. Roger Cumble. Okay. Yeah. It's got Selma Blair in it, and then somebody. I else? mean, I've seen like Feeling Minnesota or whatever that movie was. Mm, mm. She's been was in she some in- bad movies with Keanu. Was she in Feeling Minnesota is the one where his name is like Jack of two J's or whatever? Maybe. I just remember that movie being awful. Like my parents rented it one time and I watched it and it was not was good. She in, was she in Beautiful Girls? Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. Let's look up Cameron real quick. 
taking a look at the old IMDb here for beautiful girls. We I mean, have, I do not see Cameron Diaz on here. Uma, Mira, Natalie, Rosie, she, Lauren. She's the bad teacher. Annabeth. Yeah, she was in the bad teacher movie. Matt Dillon's in that she's movie. In, nice. She's in Bean John Mackwich. I think she dated Matt Dillon briefly. Yeah, they did for a while. Um, I, uh, the first Charlie's Angels movie is one of the few movies I actually fell asleep in. Um, she's in Gangs of New York, which I forgot about. Yeah, that was the big thing. She she caught a lot of flack for Gangs of New York, I remember. She was in The Box, um, which is a weird movie. She's in Green Hornet, which I've never seen. I don't believe it's a real movie. Um, My Best Friend's Wedding, which I've actually never seen. Um, I just got really excited because I... Uh, and I, I clicked over to somebody else's IMDb and I was like, she was in wild things. Like, no, you're looking at Matt Dillon's now. Nice. Um, I rewatched her last scene in vanilla sky on YouTube the other night. And I always remember that scene in a slightly different way, which I think would be creepier. I've never seen that movie. I think I know the scene you're talking about. Well, cause the, the last line that she says should be, do you believe in God? But it's, it comes earlier because mm-hmm. that would be, it would it, like, cause that would, if it came at the end and she like lowers her head and like, like hits the gas a little harder, it would be so much creepier. Cause then you like Tom would realize, Oh shit, this is what she's planning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, she's my four. I'd say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got miles at four. Uh, at three, I've got Eli Wallach as Arthur. I have him at number three as well. Well, Tuco. Yeah, this will be interesting if we if we have these switched. I have Jude at at two, Graham at two. And of course we do. Thank you. I think we okay. we both know each other well enough by now. We've got Iris at number two. Iris, who's named after Jude Law's daughter. Is is she named after Jude Law's daughter, or is that an IDB trivia thing where they're like Jude Law has a daughter named Iris? Uh, she does. He does, and she's a model now, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, apparently, uh, I feel like I've seen it reported enough. That it was like a weird homage. Mm. Oh, by the way, um, I think we mentioned this on our Greedo pod. Clara McGregor is apparently friends with Ashley Benson, which is really weird. But uh, Ewan's daughter there. Clara McGregor. Apparently not a big fan of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, really? <laughs> I think there was some How? drama there when that, when that uh, all hit the fan. What's the age difference? Of Mary Elizabeth Winstead to Ewan? Gonna, to Claire McGregor. I'm going to guess 13. Within 10 years? I'm going to guess 13 between Mew and uh, you in there. And uh, maybe maybe six the other way. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to remember. So Jude Law was married to Sadie Frost. Sadie, no. No, um, not Sadie Frost. I, uh, Selena Miller. Is that her name? No, he was just dating was her he, after okay. the divorce. All right, let's get into Jude Law. Sadie Frost was his spouse from 97 to 2003. And then he married someone in 2019. He has six children. Wow. He's 47 years old. Yes, yeah, Sienna Miller, he was just dating. And they were like the, the Alfie super couple. Alfie, which was also directed by Nancy Myers' ex-husband. They were the Alfie super couple until he started shagging the nanny. Mm-hmm. He's a nanny shagger. By the way, I completely nailed the, uh, the age difference. It is exactly 13 years between uh, Ewan and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But now, what about Claire McGregor? Yeah. 
She is 24. Okay, so that's a 12-year difference. So, yeah. Between her I'm, and Mew. I'm, I'm legitimately shocked. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I'm afraid to look up how old uh, Jude Law's current wife is. Well, he's 49. So. Who? Uh, Ewan. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Jude, so. Jude Law. He, Jude Law's got to be older, right? He's 47. Because yeah. they were like bros for a long time, right? Sure. Like they were homeboys? Mm-hmm. All right. She's also a weird guy. Anyways, I've got Graham at number one, Eo Virus at number one, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. It should be her movie. It, 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 I don't know. Would you recommend this movie? Uh, yeah, I would. It's, you know, it's light and fluffy. This is the time. I don't know why you would watch it anywhere from January to November. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess uh, we can talk about The Mandalorian now. Sure. Uh, you know, Spoiler alert for the season finale of The Mandalorian season two. We're going to spoil the shit out of it now. What'd you think? I mean, you knew where it was going, but I still kind of hated it. It just... And I hated the execution. It was so boring. Uh, we're talking about the appearance of Luke Skywalker at the end of the episode. It was... They all, it's like the, the episode just stopped. So everyone could just watch on like, you know, video feeds as Luke Skywalker landed and like joylessly pranced through a ship, cutting up a bunch of droids, it's, having his it's own Darth Vader hallway scene, jerk off, yeah. jerk off motion. And it just like, it just kept going and going. And, and then they finally like had him like, you know, reveal his face and it's like, oh, it's weird CGI Mark Hamill. I don't know. It was just really bad. Like it was just so stiff and robotic. Well, even weirder is the voice, which I don't think is Mark Hamill's. I believe it is. is I think they might have like edited it, like like took bits from his old dialogue or something and cut it together, which is why there was barely any dialogue or something like that. Well, it did not appear to be synced. Yeah. Um like it did not appear to be synced of his fake CGI lips moving. I mean, it was no matter how you brought Luke into a show like this, it was always going to be some like yank yank fan service. But this was especially egregious. This was like fans wanted a hallway scene, you know, with Luke the same way Darth Vader got one. Let's just completely pander their asses. So somebody that I follow on Twitter, probably it was something related to Scavengers Horde retweeted a screenshot of something where the person was like oh i was so glad to see like you know like like they know how to use luke skywalker right it's like he does this badass thing and then like it's like you get to see him do one last badass thing before he dies and it's like uh hello i'm pretty sure that was last jedi (laughs) he does something pretty monumental he's badass uh i mean ahsoka is flat out like i can't i can't train this child because of his connection to you it just wouldn't be right it wouldn't work out well it looks like i don't have that problem well he has like two lines of dialogue or something he just like shows up and almost wordlessly is just like yoink i uh i know my dad uh fell to the dark side not the least bit because he was yanked away from his mother and uh here i am just taking away baby yoda from his you know surrogate father anyway peace out um, and it's clear that like they the, couldn't have any real dialogue or real character moments there because of uh, technological limitations. They didn't want to recast. And so you just get this like really stiff, robotic, like dead eyed Luke. It, it just like it did not work for me. I don't know. The people who are like calling this like the best thing that's happened in Star Wars in 30 years or whatever, like, I don't know, reexamine your life. Like, 
Are you that easy of a mark? I just wanted uh uh like Luke to be like, Oh, nice to meet all of you and Cara Dune to be like, We've met seven times. Yeah, yeah really. She has no <laughs> reaction at all to seeing Luke Skywalker there. Although again, she's said on the show before in the previous season finale that she has no idea who or what Jedi are. Mm-hmm. It's like, seriously, this is your fucking homeboy of the rebellion here. You you this is your fucking poster boy. You're telling me you've never whatever. Uh, I, I I do like the detail of uh Gideon like going for that blaster to the chin when he thought he'd lost. Sure. I don't know. I the Gideon character, I'm just not sure what they're doing with him. He's like somehow like knows everything about what's already like taken place on the ship at one point, you know. Like I, I I'm just not sure what I'm supposed to be getting from him. Um I, I found the episode remarkably lacking in tension. They just like land and like mow their way through another forty stormtroopers or whatever with like no dramatic tension at all. Like at one point, Cara Dune's gun jammed. I'm like, oh man, they're going to kill her off or something. Like, wouldn't, you know, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> you know, they kind of need to kill somebody and like her gun's going to jam and she's going to get taken out. No, that doesn't even happen. Nobody even like gets winged. You know, it's just yeah. like, wow, that was uh, just like watching somebody plow through a video game level on easy mode. Well, I don't care about watching drama between the Mandalorian and, and- Bo-Katan. Like the the one piece of dramatic tension they set up is like it's like some Elder Wand shit where it's like oh no he's got the dark saber and she can only take it you know from him through like single combat or whatever. But then that it's like they just forget that plot line because Luke shows up and everyone can jerk off to Luke Skywalker instead and it's never brought up again in the episode. It's really bizarre. Well. <sighs> And first of all, you like if you if you're going to go that route, you need to set up the it can only be taken through combat thing beforehand. Like that, the audience should know that that's coming instead of just being like, oh, by the way, he can't just hand it over now because of this reason that you'd never heard of before. Well, she's like giving shit to to Boba Fett earlier. Um, like, oh, you're not a Mandalorian; mm-hmm. you don't deserve that armor, and like. I thought he established some kind of bona fides with his like father to the yeah. Mandalorian previously. It's like oh, okay, and then I, I I thought it was humorous. I mean, uh, never mind the post credit scene. Um, he distracts them like the, the Imperial ship, and then he flies off because he has to because he can't I, be there when Luke gets there. Or else, it's like why don't yeah yeah. But it's like just in general for their mission. Thanks yeah. <laughs> for not coming back. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they kill more of the dark troopers than than were in that hangar bay initially. Oh yeah, there's like a fucking ton of them. Um, man, the end of that episode is such a bit for tuna. Really, uh, let himself go in a big way. So, th- I there's still some confusion of whether or not the Book of Boba Fett is a separate miniseries or if it's going to be part of the Mandalorian three season. Because they announced that the Mandalorian season three is coming in Christmas 2021. And they say mm-hmm. the book of Boba Fett is December 2021. And it's like, okay, are you, is that two different shows? Um, I mean, I, I probably by Monday we'll get some confirmation on that. They just don't want to like spoil anything for people yet. But I don't know. I uh, If they were like Mandalorian season three is actually going to be mostly Boba Fett. I don't know if I want to watch that. No, no. I mean, I guess if... Well, if, if Fennec Shan, Ming-Na Wen's going to be around more often, maybe. I thought, like, that she, the, like, the 
So you can watch her be wasted more. Well, yeah, so I can watch her be wasted more. The demeanor in that final shot where like Boba Fett's like sitting on like the throne or whatever in Jabba's old palace. And she, like, she's just like got this jug of like neon booze or whatever. And she's kind of like, it's, it's just very like swaggery, like leaning on the side of the chair. I was like, wait, who is this character? Because she's had like no dialogue except for like random exposition for like three episodes now. And suddenly you're like, Oh, she's like the kind of person who just like slinks around drinking booze, you know, like uh, a henchman's assistant. Like this is, we, we have not seen this on screen, you know? Well, uh, this that scene made more sense to me when it was like a payback thing you know it's like 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 it's just like having it be he just wants to take over like java's enterprise like set your sights a little lower jesus well it's also kind of whiplash like who is this character because he's like i I would never have said like from all the eu material previously that boba had some sort of code or something you know but like He's uh, just willing to completely fight on the good guy's side for a while. And now he's just going to go take over Jabba's palace. I don't know. It's sure. Whatever. If you say so. Also, I don't give a shit about this show about baby. Yoda. Yeah. It kind of seemed like that was the end of that. Like he said, I'll, yeah. I'll see you again or something. Also, but... baby Yoda's going to die at Luke's temple. <laughs> I mean, clearly when Kylo Ren. Are we just glossing over that? When Kylo Ren said he'd finish what Anakin started, it was killing baby Yoda is what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just some people cried their eyes out. Apparently, they were so fucking emotionally moved Whoa. by robotic, dead-eyed Luke showing up. I was not. I was just like the, big, the long. The thing sigh. that was emotionally affecting was Pedro Pascal. Yeah, but he was selling a different scene. And again, the there's a, I mean, there's a moment with the the baby Yoda puppet that's like conveying something that the show's not been great about understanding it. Like, who is this faceless man mm-hmm. that I've like presumably called my father? And it's like, okay, well now I'm going to show my face to like not just this child, but also like the other six people in this room. And it's like, seemingly this this has to mean something to you because it's it sure as shit did in the the previous season finale, but then it it didn't as it's like I don't know, like fucking do something with that, like. What does your keeping your face hidden now still mean to you? Also, I, I, I LOL the fact that they didn't bring back the guy from the James Bond movies this time, the the third Mandalorian and her her crew, the uh, Bo-Katan's crew. Yeah. Also, uh, my girl Katie O'Brien just like randomly like takes a blaster shot like in the side of a frame when they storm the bridge, like just doesn't even get her own death scene. What the fuck, man? But isn't she standing up again later? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. I missed that. I, I think she just is like just like catch the blaster bolt and that was it for her um i i really want him to be like okay you don't want the thing i'm literally just gonna throw it to the other side of the bridge because that's how little i care about the stupid laser sword (sighs) i i i don't understand the people who claim to be like the biggest luke skywalker stands ever and are just like that's the luke i was looking for take that ryan johnson it's like that that was what you wanted some like kind of cheesy like choreography and uh just like a, a like really stiff performance from like a cgi character who has no personality like i don't know i i feel like bringing luke in anyway it was always going to be kind of yank yank fan service but there was probably a way to do it where it wasn't just like jerking off to him like mowing down battle droids it was like a character moment or something like maybe they're mando and and Bo-Katan are like about to come to blows and like Luke appears to like stop them from fighting and like kind of displays some of his farm boy charm, 
You know, like like the people who like Luke, like why do you like him? Do you like his actual personality at all, or do you just like him because he's good swinging a lightsaber stick? What they read upon that, I think. I mean, they I mean, don't. It's just, it's just a fucking power fancy for these people. It's like, yeah, sure, you like the character. You just have invested your ego and uh, your space Jesus here. Well, and they missed that. Ryan Johnson echoed Luke doing the best thing he ever did in the original trilogy, which is throwing away his weapon. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been nice if you are going to have Luke show up to actually have him display some personality and emotion and what they can't yeah but but you can't without recasting and even then it's it's going to be hard because everyone you know mark hamill's so tied to the role um and so instead you just get this like just completely stupid scene with him like i I just i don't understand people who are like that's the best scene ever like i guess you're 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 an easy lay yeah i just i don't know i mean I, i figured it would be luke i just i didn't like it it was just dramatically re- really weird that we'd set up all this like tension between Mando and Bo-Katan and the stupid dark saber. And they like, it's like they pulled that out the last second. It's like this new tension. And then it's just like, Oh wait, there's an X-wing coming in. Let's all just sit here for five minutes watching this guy kill battle droids. And like, Oh, look at that. He's just like crushing it with the force. Cause he's so hardcore. It's like, this is boring. This is stupid. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't seem like that would be a Luke move. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like, at least to me, if you're just going purely for like the the Marvel, you know, surprise of character appearance moment or whatever, to me, it didn't land even there. Like there's there's like better ways you could do that kind of reveal of like, oh, shit, it's Luke than than what they did. Even when they get the doctor and he's just like, these are third generation dark troopers and the human was always the weakness. So they're just droids mm-hmm. now. It's like, okay. It's like, oh, a, a Jedi kind of like dancing around like barely even getting shot at carving up battle droids this is fun yeah we needed more of this wearing the same exact outfit as he had from return of the jedi so i guess he just really liked that black outfit for a while this is just uh, the general problem with i don't know it's just hey it's that thing you like right it's more of the same you guys like the hallway scene with vader here's a hallway scene with luke it's okay. He's killing droids, so it's okay for him to like be kicking ass. It just in sci-fi movies and whatever, it's like people just wear the same outfit mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, and R two shows up, and, and there's R two too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you didn't and even R2 have really freaks out with Baby Yoda. It wasn't even possible to have like, hey, Luke, you're you're seeing like a young Yoda, you know, creature, like you know, give us some sort of reaction, you know, this is, this was some sort of wonder, some awe, some nostalgia, heartache, you know, like, do you have any sort of reaction to seeing this baby Yoda? No, you had none at all. Also, my real time thoughts were, uh, uh, he sets down baby Yoda or, uh, the Mando sits down baby Yoda. He walk, he waddles over to Luke and I thought, Oh, we're going to get this unintentionally hilarious scene where it takes Luke like 10 minutes to leave because baby Yoda walks so (laughs) slow. And then he picks up baby Yoda. And I was just like, Ooh, fuck you. It's my kid. Now (laughs) I was like, Oh, this is even more fucked. Yeah. I, I just, I couldn't get over to that. Like the voice was not synced with the mouth moving. It was, it was, I honestly think, so I actually, I don't think that the Tarkin one was that bad. The Leia one I thought was bad. 
the the Leia one was better than this Luke one. If that's if that's if that makes sense. I thought the Tarkin one was worse because there was so much more of it than the Leia one. Oh, you know, I, I think the Tarkin one, I don't know, kind of worked for me more. Than I just don't understand. Like, Plus the Leia one, like she had just died. I, I, what I don't get, and maybe it's a budget thing, but like, like Marvel did a whole movie where they like de-aged Samuel L. Jackson. Like they've, the technology exists. It's pretty good. And it's not perfect, but like, it's pretty good. Uh, for some reason, it's not working here for because uh, it looked really bad in uh in the rise of skywalker when they had those flashbacks too like i don't know star wars like surely there's a department at ilm that should know how to do this but they're just not good at it especially since the solution and the flashbacks in last last jedi were you know like the best of of possible worlds where he just had like like his like kenny rogers look mm-hmm. in the past yeah, I, I I just hated it. Um, I I don't know. I feel like they're with some fans. They've uh, they've just you know completely jerked them off to to climax, and it's the happiest they've ever been. But I feel like they had to have lost at least some people with that. They'd just be like, oh, we're just we're just back to to Luke showing up to save the day again. Okay. So, this is where I ask my follow up: Is Star Wars still for you? I guess uh, I'm curious to see a Leslie Headland show, but uh, yep. Mandalorian is exactly what I said it was. It's just a show for people to play with their action figures. Their Cara Dune action figure. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't she do something new? Isn't she even more terrible? I don't know. I mean, she's a... Uh, an an outspoken Trump supporter. What what else do you need? You know, you're, you're yeah. not going to get any good takes from her. <sighs> anyway, the Mandalorian. If you liked it, that's fine. It just uh, I, as I said long ago on one of our Star Wars podcasts, I'm I'm not into world building and nostalgia. I'm into storytelling. I I wish that. Star Wars would lead harder into the the former or the latter than the former. Mm. Mm. I mean, world building is fine if you're going to tell a story in that world and it's, it's the two intertwine perfectly, but uh, I don't know, telling the same old story, but worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a real uh, downer of an ending. I know. Cool. I don't know. What do we do next? Oh, that actually, I had ideas for this. We should do our mm. year end episode next because it'll be about that time. Oh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, do you really have a lot of, did you see a lot of new movies so this, this year? This is what I was thinking. We just do top 10 any kind of media music, TV, movies, video games, books, whatever. Just our top 10. What are our favorite things for this year? I feel like you can come up with 10. I know you can. I'm thinking, but... Uh, and we can maybe do some, like, Q&A, too, as well. People want to send us questions. Oh, but I mean, you don't have to come up with it right now, but I feel like you can come up with 10 by next week. Um, also, uh, we haven't mentioned the contest yet. We are doing mm-hmm. a contest uh, for our book, Trolls Finds Me, 
where if you win, you can uh, co-host an episode of Headcanon or our PLL uh, podcast. The way you enter is you leave a review, not just a rating, but a review of our book on one of the sites where you can review, re- leave reviews of Trouble Else Finds Me. And then here's the important thing. Let us know that you've left the review in an email or a tweet or a DM or something. Uh, I have seen we've gotten more reviews, but I haven't gotten anyone saying, hey, I left a review. So you got one. Do you got one? Okay. Because, yeah, I haven't seen any other. So I've, I've seen more reviews and it's like, is this just a person who's reviewing it who doesn't care about being on the podcast or do they want to get entered in the drawing? So uh, if you've left a review, please let us know. So you'll be entered into the drawing. And you want to get entered in that drawing. Mm-hmm. You want it. And make us watch any movie that you choose or watch any episode of PLL. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just really punish us. All right. Um, so year end episode coming up. Yeah. Send us if you have any, any Q and A's, any questions you have for us, feel free to shoot away. We'll do our top tens. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll have some champagne. <laughs> Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's worth the price of admission. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye bye.